Welcome back, Silicon fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. It's the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, thank you so much for listening. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button, as well as the bell to get notified whenever we drop a new episode every Monday. Uh, This episode in the whole season of the Midtown Madness podcast is brought to you by Two Men and a Garden. Whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, uh, the people over at Two Men have you covered. I know what you're asking, Zach. Why Two Men in a Garden? They're a 100% sailless company. Not only are they local, they've opened up their production facility to local food entrepreneurs. They love St. Louis the way I do. All of their products you can get at any local grocery store or online at twomeninagarden.com or follow them on social media at Two Men Salsa. That's on Instagram and Twitter. Peter. We got some we got we got some stuff to talk about here. We do. I was a little worried about your long pause there. I thought you were just going to get up and walk away from the mic. This would be like your uh, Richie Tenenbaum moment. Just just right right in the heat of the action. Just taking your socks off, sitting down, just, you know, having a nap. <laughs> I mean, that is uh that's about as accurate of a portrayal as my my brain activity has gone. Uh, in the past couple of days, uh, I just, I really don't, I, I don't understand this team. Uh, it's, I think we've been conditioned. I mean, even prior to Rick Majerus arriving at St. Louis University, uh, you know, Soderberg, uh, Soderberg's team's always played an intelligent brand of basketball, a very uh, X's and O's brand of basketball under Majerus. Uh, obviously an, a true genius of the game uh, brought in incredibly, you know, uh, everything was, was kind of structured in a way to make that team successful. Uh, and then, I mean, even under Cruz, man, like, I think I, tw- I tweeted it out. I'm like, dude, at least those dudes understood the game um, and playing as a team, at least they lost as a team, man. Yeah, I think it, it. I think it's fair to say that there's just not an identity to the way they play. Like we've talked, we've talked a lot about Team Blue as an identity and what that may or may not mean. But on the floor, I don't know who this team is, and that you could never say that about SLU in the first, you know bulk of the first several years of Travis Ford's time here because you had people like Jordan Goodwin, Hassan French. We were tough. We defended. We rebounded. Uh, this team played hard. Like nobody even even at times when it was ugly, they they were always they were they were playing hard out there. And I don't I just don't know what the identity of this team is. It's uh it's just not coming together and it's certainly not coming together in a consistent way yeah i think i said on the i, I kind of went out of pocket on uh the post game spaces uh and you know <clears throat> i think and i want to clarify is that it's so baffling to me that uh the the men- <clears throat> excuse me the mental errors and just inexplicable m- mistakes uh uh, it's it, there there's like point shaving isn't out of the realm of like, like that's how confused I am right now. Is it, I can't find anything else like 
to point out with this team and be like, this is why we, we can't win games. There's no consistency from game to game. There's no consistency within games. Um, in this in, in this set of games that we're going to talk about tonight, we actually saw stretches uh, where Slu played excellent offense for a while and then just abandoned it or were taken out of it. Um, we saw times where they were pretty tight on defense and there was no consistency. I, I don't know what it is. They they also, once again, have shown kind of their, their worst tendencies to kind of stop moving the ball on offense and then, um, you know, just, just folding defensively, letting pressure from a road crowd, for example, get to them or just a complete inability to match the energy of, of, of another team. And, and maybe we should just get into it. Like, like let's start yeah. with this Fordham game. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think, uh, first of all, uh, I mean, the, the lead up to this game, you, you could just feel Fordham was pulling out all the stops for this one. Yeah. Uh, whether it be on the court, off the court, they were, uh, this was their marquee game of the year. Uh, they knew they had a chance to make a statement in conference and, uh, uh, yeah, so much energy out of the in the building uh, from their team. Uh, they I literally didn't know that anyone on Twitter was an, a Fordham fan. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I knew Tony Reale went there, but I didn't know like they actually had like vocal fans. Uh, yeah, an actual fan base. <laughs> yes, um, it's it's funny. Yeah, I mean they 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 were really. Um, is it just that hard to get into the Bronx? Like, you just, uh, nobody wants to get on the train unless they're winning. Like, I don't know. Well, it's it's not a big school. It's um it's a pretty good academic school, you know. So it's 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 like SLU. It's you know what it's Jesuit, right? Um, or it's at least Catholic. Who are you talking? Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's I'm in a church. I don't remember what day of the week it's on, but, I, but it's smaller than SLU. It's, um, it's hard to get into. It's, yeah. it's, it, I feel like it's a relatively small community within, you know, the biggest city in North America. So it's kind of weird that way. Um, but you and I goofing around on a 10 Twitter for several years now, they're the ones you just never run into, you know, like, like as, as, as not good as a lot of these other teams are their their people are still around you like you'd like there's a presence for everybody and i've just never run into fordham people and man they came out of the woodwork for this one some of that pushed by the school itself the athletic department really trying to get people out fill the gym up because as you say this was a big game for them and the, the way the a10 has kind of structured the schedule this year a lot of the teams that they thought were going to be the best they they put them against each other right so yeah. we played dayton twice we played davidson twice we play um uh, Loyola that didn't pan out we played them twice we played VCU twice so they kind of tried to cluster the best teams together so a lot of these other teams in the in the bottom half bottom third uh, or what were thought to be um, they're only getting those teams once and it may or may not be at home right so so when a slew or a VCU or a Dayton comes to town it's a big deal mm -hmm. and and uh, when you've got a small gym um, even though you're a little bit smaller community, it still is easier to fill Rose Hill up than, than Chaffetz. Um, and so, so yeah, we saw a lot of that in the lead up to this one. Uh, Collins in this one went to the bench really early, uh, nine and a half minutes to play in the first half with his second foul. Uh, and I think this was uh, the fatal flaw in Travis Ford's 
Um, I, I'm not the fatal flaw. I think this this is a problem. You're up nine. You're and uh, uh, you know a good friend of the show said this to me uh, before the game when we talked about the Fordham, um, the you know the Fordham game and Collins going to the bench with two fouls. How many times has Collins gone to the bench with two fouls and then finished with three? Right. <laughs> like, like right. why? There, there's no point. Just you're up nine. Finish, finish them off. You saw it against Dayton. Fordham folded when you pushed the lead, when they pushed the lead. Billikens had that chance. Stop taking momentum away for two fouls on Yuri Collins when you're, especially when you're up nine. I mean, you're, you're looking, you're, it's, it's almost like a, it's almost like I'm trying to come up with the words for it, but it's playing to not lose. Right. Instead of just going for the jugular and just, and trying to win it, you certainly can win it in the first half against the mediocre members of this conference. And it feels like in all the games and we're going to, we can get into it about with the VCU game. Cause it, it, it happened again, but without fouls. Um, it just seems like we we do not we don't try to extend runs and, and so it wasn't a catastrophe in this game right we we still go into halftime up 5 i don't think we've actually said the score of this one this game on tuesday the 31st where we lost 65 or sorry 75 65 at fordham but we went into half up uh 36 to 31 so we're still up five, even without him, right? But but I think you're right. Like if if this at halftime is a nine point lead, let's say we had just maintained the lead with Yuri um, still out there, right? If if we go into half up nine, it feels a lot different in that gym, I think, than five. And they've spent the last couple minutes shrinking the lead, threatening a little bit, right? So the, so they really feel like uh, they're still in this thing going into halftime. They've got more momentum, more momentum than slew. Um, and I think that is uh, a factor here. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, when you allow the lead to stay at a a, a smaller margin, uh, turnovers, again, become that much bigger. Each one is bigger. Yeah. Uh, Fordham pressed us hard and it got to us. And uh, I think that was almost uh, – it, it ended up not being prophetic for the VCU game, but um, – you know, I, I really, I, I don't understand uh, what, like, what our plan is to deal with the pressure. We know it's coming, and yet right. it's it's always uh, make sure you get the ball inbounds, and then yeah, go ahead, whatever you want to do, just get it up the court. Whenever, whenever under 10 seconds you can get up the court, go ahead. And that's ridiculous. You're not only are you wasting time on offense, but you're making Yuri Collins expend energy. Can, yeah. can one, and I, I I yelled it about five times against VCU. Can, one time, set me a backcourt ball screen. One time. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I mean, their their whole strategy here was to take Collins out, right? I mean, they're 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 face guarding him all the way up the floor. Um, it, it, it was a little confusing to me. Well, I I do want to get back to their pressure for a second because yeah. fourteen steals out of turnover is or, or out of Fordham is kind of a shocking number. Like I I never. They they we've never seen that brand of Fordham since we've joined the A10. 14 steals. That's just not something um I would have expected at all. I mean, Ergo is clearly a different coach than than what they've had previously. 
and as brief as he was there, I really like Neptune too, but, um, but man, did he have these guys playing energetic, aggressive basketball for 40 minutes back to Collins. There were for a while in this game, I'm just watching him. Like, what is he doing? Like, why is, why does he look so lethargic? Why does he look so like, is he sick? Like I, I, I was legitimately confused. Like I knew they were guarding him closely. I knew they were trying to like isolate him and keep the ball out of his hands. But like, my God, it didn't look like, it looked like he just went, Oh, okay. You're going to guard me like that. Fine. I, I, I don't know if, I, if I'm being too hard on him here, I, but I they, don't think he, he just, al- he allowed them to completely take him out of the game. And he finishes the game with one assist and four turnovers. And I just, I, I, I just don't understand you're, I mean, you're right. Like, like set him screens in the backcourt, like figure something out. Don't just have him pout, like walking up on the side, down the sideline pouting. And I mean, do do you think that some of that pouting was why he got taken out with two fouls and never put back in? Because I mean, you can, you can put it back in. Five minutes left to go in the half. Put him back in. We've seen games where at that point in the game, he's already got six or seven assists. And in this one, he's got one. Did he? I think he had it already by that point. Um, uh, No, maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't have any assists in the first half now that I'm thinking of it. Uh, So maybe, yeah, maybe they thought, well, we'll just take him out and try something different uh, and play it conservative with two fouls because it just hasn't worked with him in there. And let's see what Fordham throws in, uh, throws at us if we've got Hughes or if we've got just a different combination of players in there um, instead of Collins. But I I think it it also is worth noting that they did have um, Moore and then Quisenberry. uh, They both picked up their second. It was after Collins. And one of them, I think Quisenberry's was just with a couple minutes left in the half. But to me, that's even more of a reason to put Collins back in. And you're either forcing Fordham to play one or both of those guys with two fouls, um, or you're taking advantage of, of, of possibly a mismatch when you when you've got Collins in there without Quisenberry. Um, so yeah, I, I we keep circling back to that in hindsight's 2020, but um I just did not see Slew adjust to him being taken out of the game. And then honestly, we didn't give Hughes a whole lot of minutes here either. Um and he just got, I felt like he, when he was in the game, he kind of felt overwhelmed by, by Fordham as, as well. And I think in, it, it, it will get to the next game as well. But, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot in this one questioning uh, as the offensive scheme and what happened in the final 10 minutes or so with basically everyone going out of pocket one v one. I know we were in the Bronx, but we're not playing at the Rucker. Um, it's you know what's the offensive scheme? There's no ball movement, no three point shooting. Uh, absolute abhorrent decision making. I mean, you know Perkins driving five times in a row. Uh, Yuri Collins has a man open for three. Uh, everyone and their mom saw it. And oh wait, no, was that VCU? The one that hit underneath the the, the backboard. I I, uh, I, I mean, it's the same it's the story same, in both yeah, games. It's an evergreen statement. Why, right. Yuri Collins driving into the trees, uh, has a guy open and doesn't find him. Um, you know, Pickett was uh, just terrible. Right. Uh, went, you know, again, same thing as Javante and 
Gibson had, you know, made his one shot, uh, wasn't able to get open, which is, which is insane. Uh, I, you know, I just, I, I don't know. Um, um, I, I think it's worth noting just to, just to kind of underline the lack of ball movement in this one. Yeah. Slew has five assists and 16 turnovers, but I, but maybe even more telling nine three point attempts, nine in an entire game. And this is, you know, this is another year where like coming into the season, uh, Ford is saying like, we're going to shoot more threes this year. Yeah. You know, we've got the personnel and, uh, all those guys are still on the roster. You know, the, the guy we lost to injury, Fred Thatch, was not our three-point shooter. All the shooters are still out there. Nine three-point attempts? I mean, I, just... I The one thing I will say about that is that we did get everything we wanted in the first half inside. I mean, Okoro was an absolute monster. Uh, his first half was 13-7, and 6-6 six, six from the field. Uh, third foul, 11 minutes left in the second. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one you kind of, you get, I guess I didn't love it uh, again. I, I, I think, uh, I think there was a lot of talk about how handling the foul situation was this great move by forward. And, uh, was it, was it an accident that we, that we still won those games? Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's almost kind of like, uh, spray and pray, I guess, like, you know, Hey, take them out and hope that we can, that we can do it. And if we do it, we look good. If we don't, we look like shit. So. Yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I, I think that winning streak papered over a lot of yeah. problems. I, I think we, we, we only touched on it briefly in the show uh, that we weren't necessarily playing great basketball in those games. We were pulling out wins, mm-hmm. but you're, you're talking about, close wins over teams like George Washington. That's not confidence inspiring stuff. You know, like those are teams you're supposed to beat by double digits. Um, Yeah. This is, this is another night with, uh, with low energy. Uh, You mentioned Yuri Collins, but I mean, everybody, uh, you know, everybody was kind of lethargic. Uh, You know, we faced adversity on the road and, and we kind of folded. It was, uh, you know, kind of what you expected out of those early season Ford teams, uh, the opposite meaning, you know, uh, the other team, we, we'd pressure the other team and, and they would fold. And uh, again, Fordham credit to them. Uh, they brought the energy and I mean, like there was so it's just, I, it, it felt a lot like the SIUE game to me mm-hmm. um, after every time they would kind of chip away at a lead or, or, in this case, take the lead and then start extending the lead. I'm looking at our bench and I'm looking at their bench. I'm looking at their guys on the court. I'm looking at our guys on the court. And the body language was night and day. It, 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 I, it was night and day. I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. it. It's almost like Fordham is written as like the underdog in a script. And and they want to make SLU the favorite who's easy to root against. So you would show them <laughs> behaving like Slew did on the bench and on the court and just like not caring, not playing as a team, not not showing, not demonstrating that you are feeling any emotion whatsoever. And meanwhile, Fordham's hitting shots, um, congratulating one another. Their bench is constantly on their feet. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they played with so much energy. And you saw it, Quisenberry had 27 in this game. He was awesome. Moore had 20. Well, like what a find that guy is and they were in slew's heads all night 
Like those guys, they frustrated our guards to to no end. It was it was incredible to watch. Um, they just they never at any point in this game let off the gas. Um, Hargrove had good minutes in this one. The only player who didn't actively uh, stink. Yeah, uh, but he wasn't a big factor either. Um, uh, yeah, uh, he was yeah, he like was just, fine. Yeah, just trying to find anything positive to talk about this game is, is hard. Yeah, it, I mean, it was a game where we, I truly believe, we lost this one, uh, and we, I mean, Fordham didn't win it. I, I mean, how many, how many runs of both teams not scoring was were there? Uh, uh, too many uh, runs of possessions where Fordham was missing, and then we'd come down and turn it over, or. Uh, take a bad shot or I, I mean, you have so many opportunities to extend your lead and you just refuse, refuse, refuse to, to understand time and score. Uh, that's, that's become my biggest issue is that none of them know how know about time and score. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a good point. You look at the, you look once again, look at their body language and you would never know what juncture of the game it is. You just wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> you'd think like okay well the the way they look right now they've got a nice lead and we're heading into halftime yeah. like, nope they, they nope, don't have got three minutes left this is one of those games where you have to have a team that's like all right it's the billikens versus everybody mm-hmm. and this isn't that team I, I i do circle back to some of the things that we heard about this team coming into the year was there wasn't much vocal leadership we've got guys who are smart and skilled know what they're doing out there, but it's a lot of like guys who are a little more introverted, um, yeah. a little quieter uh, about the way they go about their game. And that's fine, but that can't be all of your guys. That can't yeah. be your leaders, you know, like you, you do need a Jordan Goodwin getting in dudes faces and, and uh, good and bad, you know, holding them accountable, but also like making them realize like when they've done something good, keeping the energy level high, you just don't see any of that. No. Fordham though having a historic season. Yeah. Um 18 18th win of the season. Uh they lost today uh to somebody. Richmond. Yep, thank you. Uh the first time they've had 18 all, at all in a season since 07. Uh they finished with that m- number and then um 1992 was the last time before that they had 18 and they got the NCAA tournament appearance. Uh, they had 25 wins in 91, but missed the tournament. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah. the, we'll see what happens with them down the stretch, but that number could extend. Um, let's, I mean, this one, I, I think this, this next game, uh, broke me in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, this was a tough one and it was, it, it was a tougher test, but um, you know, we knew it was a big deal. Uh, we got the sellout in Chaffetz, yeah. despite coming off the bad game at Fordham. I think people wanted to give this team another another try, another push, and uh, we just didn't deliver. I hate these six o'clock starts. They're yeah. bad vibes all the way around. I do too. I like later starts, so wow. I can uh, I can at least watch some of the game without my uh, my kids still awake. You know, like I just you don't. There's something about going into the arena, the students arriving less than 30 minutes before the game. Um, you know, I mean, not even, I would venture to say less than half the arena was full at tip off. You know, it was, it was a very late arriving crowd and, 
it just sets the tone. Uh, I don't, you know, it's, it's interesting because uh, we're scheduled for an eight o'clock tip central time at uh, Dayton. And yes, right. Or a seven o'clock. Sorry. It's, it's a seven o'clock tip. Cause it's, it's eight o'clock here and on the East right. Eastern time. Yeah. But so it doesn't make sense to me. Why, why isn't it a seven o'clock tip for the game at Dayton? And then it's a, they make it a six o'clock game here, but it's an eight o'clock game when it's there. That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why not flip that around so that the home team can get their fans in the game regardless um but I, well i mean some of that might have to do with tv oh um, no i agree but i mean if you're gonna do if it's friday 10 on both cases like right the hell um first half uh it was i mean i i don't understand it we would look outstanding uh and then terrible then amazing again um pete i i think you can uh, you can kind of expand on that further because I, again, at a loss for words. So this is our 73 to 65 loss against VCU on Friday the 3rd. And I think you're referring to, I think the best analogy that I could come up with, which I put on Twitter, was that it was like watching like a um, a, a title fight in the WWE, like one of those like 23 yeah. minute matches. And you've got these two guys, uh, you know, huge, gigantic athletic guys who are ex- clearly exhausted the entire time, but then they'll get up and do something amazing yeah. after lying on the mat and getting dragged around for three minutes. Um, and it was just like, well, was big, like big comebacks. It's like, it's like the, um, the tag team partners slamming on the rope. Yeah, the, the exactly. Buckle, the, the, you know, and uh, the major comeback, the, the hulking up or the, Right. You know, uh, it's just, it was just it, insane. It's incredible. And um, we saw stretches of some of the best offense we've seen all season. And then they'd follow it up with just three or four complete wasted possessions in a row. And you're just like, where, where, where is this coming from? And that was just in the first half. The, the, the game was, was pretty close most of the time, right? Like there, there were 16 lead changes um, in this game, but unfortunately um, once again, it just kind of ended with a late meltdown um slew couldn't get a stop and then felt right back into that iso offense we talked about in fordham you saw things like collins going one on three taking bad layups guys turning it over and that fluid offense that we saw in stretches in this game just completely disappeared uh leaving vcu with the with the keys yeah i wonder if some of the uh the bet the moves with with substitutions um outside of the file subs um was an issue because again we go back to Yuri Collins being taken out of the game, and I think we were uh, we were up like six or on a run, and, and Travis puts Yuri on the bench. Like, keep going, like play to win the game. I I know it's a classic. Like, <laughs> you play to win the game. You don't play right. to to hold on to a lead. Like, stop that. He's done. Travis has kind of done that for a long time here, you know, and, and we should be fair. That was really only once because Yuri did wind up playing like 39 minutes in this game. And was he taken out in ways? Sure. You know, he has four points on two of eight shooting, doesn't draw any fouls. Um, 
And he does wind up with his usual 11 assists, four turnovers here. He got three steals because there were times in this game where he was yeah. great. He was great reading the uh, reading their their offense. And, and look, VCU, as much as we know them as a team that creates a lot of turnovers, they turn it over a lot too. There was opportunity. And SLU, for a time, was seizing upon that. You know, there, there was there was a, a long stretch in here. Um, I think VCU only had four turnovers in the first half, but then they wound up having six in like the first six or seven minutes of the second half. SLU was all over them. Um, and and once again, you just get away from that, right? Like they didn't have, after that first six to eight minutes where they had six turnovers, they didn't turn it over again the rest of the game. Um, and, and, and that was just, uh, you know, just again, frustrating to see. Yeah, I just and again, it was really just the same, um, the same thing as against Fordham, except with a different player. You know, in Fordham, there was a few plays where Franco didn't see a guy coming and had the ball stolen twice, and then in this one, right. it's Yuri Collins. Right. I mean, he lost the ball twice. It's just it, these guys have been playing basketball too long. Uh, and are too talented to make these kind of mental mistakes. And Travis Ford meant, or, um, you know, talked about it. And I think we should get into that uh, eventually. But um, uh, yeah, I, I thought the Billikens were good on defense for a lot of stretches. And uh, then, then Ace Baldwin decided to take over. Yeah. I mean, he had himself a career night. It was, um, it was something to see 37 points in this one on just 15 field goal attempts. You know, he, he, he was nine of nine from the line and I don't think he glanced the rim on any of those free throws, um, but he couldn't miss from the field either. Slew seemed kind of content letting him shoot uh, for a while in the first half, but then even when they started to put more pressure on him, he was just making whatever he threw up there. Um, you know, whether he was going left, right, uh, fading away but uh but man he, he you know as much as we want to rip on slew here i mean he he had one of those nights he just did yeah Pickett again had a really just a brutal game uh that flagrant was the absolute dagger i mean we can <sighs> argue all day whether or not it's actually flagrant i i could not believe they looked at it um but oh, you yeah. just have to be smarter than that you can't do that. Yeah, he didn't mean to do it, but you know that was a football <laughs> football move that he laid into that guy. Just basically tackled him, um, and yeah, he was he was horrible against Fordham, and and that was the case again today. Um, I, I just you know it was just sloppy that particular play. Um, VCU converted, hit both of those free throws, and then got the ball back, and then and you just knew like that was it. There was no coming back from that. Um, at the other, we had just on the prior possession. Um, I think we had turned it over, right? Like we, we, we turned it over and then ended up with that or, or were we just coming off of, no, sorry. We were down five. Mm -hmm. I think we had just made one. And, uh, anyway, once, once they went up seven and then got the ball back, you just, I just knew, you know, it, 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 again, this is one of those, uh, moments where you're like, wait a minute. What? Like, why? Right why that that's one of those moments where you're like uh what is going on here there's something a little more nefarious <laughs> you start to get in your little tinfoil tinfoil hat uh mindset 
Well, I mean, and certainly it's a, it's a game that that begs explanation, right? Because like a lot of times you play a team like VCU and you would love to say, oh, it was the turnover disparity or there was the offensive rebounding that we stunk in this game. But VCU, they only ended up with four more field goal attempts than, than SLU in the game. They forced four more turnovers than SLU did, not surprising. And they got four more offensive rebounds. For a while in the first half, it looked like those numbers were going to be a lot worse. So those are things that obviously didn't help SLU, but they're not like, quote unquote, the story of what happened in this game, right? I mean, like there, there, it was. There were a lot of other reasons that 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 this didn't go well. Those were contributing factors, but but that wasn't it. Gibson Jimerson, one of the true bright spots uh, for most of this game, I think. Um, a great first half, four or five from three. But quiet in the second half, uh, had over 10 minutes without a shot attempt. And, you know, second half just wasn't there. No, um, they did a better job of um, of kind of, you know, staying on him, I want to say, in the second half. Um, the, but at the same time, we saw Slew getting out of, of the kind of offense that feeds him, right? I mean, like think about how many threes we hit and I, I two or three, you know, maybe three or four in the first half where we made not one, but two extra passes, right? Parker, sincere Parker passed up a good look mm -hmm. to give Jimerson a wide open look with unlimited time and space. And he hit it. Um, and there were other times uh, uh, Perkins hit another one like that. We moved the ball around and it eventually wound up in the hands of a shooter and often that was Gibson Jimerson four out of five in the first half. Um, and then in the second half, he did miss a few. He did miss a few, but he didn't have quite as clean a looks. And then he didn't get an attempt for a while, you know? So so it was a while before he got cooking again in the second half, but it was too little too late by then. I think he went after those initial misses in the beginning of the second half. I think he went about 10 minutes without um, a, a, a shot attempt and he didn't hit a a, a, a three again until there were it was under 30 seconds left um so it was a good performance by him overall but but the offense was kind of leaning on him in this game and then they 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 stopped getting him the ball so when he stopped scoring slew stopped scoring yeah uh forrester i i i think we both really appreciated what he brought in this game but uh he got into foul trouble and i think uh uh it, i don't necessarily think he fouled um on a couple of those but uh yeah that them's the breaks and uh you know one thing was the foul disparity in this game though i i mean look you you still had a chance to go and win this game but i mean we uh, i think vcu had two fouls in the second half up until <laughs> about like six minutes to play and then they just started calling like the most in that is the worst thing in college basketball actually basketball in general the the foul evening that are just inconsequential calls when every foul against you has been cons of consequence. It's right. infuriating. Now that it's garbage time, we can even this out. Yeah. yeah. Infuriating. Yeah, there's a there's a human element there. And it, and, it, and it's all the more frustrating in this game because you're like, uh, I don't know, say what you will about uh, VCU's performance. 
they probably committed more than two fouls in the first, you know, 15 minutes of that second half. Um, <laughs> they, they, they don't play quite that cleanly. Um, you know, I, I don't think that's the, the deciding factor here, but clearly this was more of a Forrester game than an Okoro game. Whereas the Fordham game was the opposite. Um, I wouldn't be upset if both of them, you know, wanted to have a good game on the same night, but they were both kind of feeling the, uh, the foul pressure a little bit here. Um, and, uh, I don't know, the, the matchup was working for Jake early on. Um, it's just, a it's just a shame that the whistles didn't go his way. Uh, what are we, what are we going to do with, with Yuri Collins? Uh, I just, you know, the guy, I, I think I, I talked about this, you know, in, in the preseason, uh, what happens if Yuri Collins, you know, isn't able to, what if this team plays poorly? What if Yuri Collins plays poorly? Um, you know, he, he, he tried to leave, uh, where to, where do slew fans put him in there, you know, on their shit list or, uh, you know, still on their good graces. He had every, I mean, look, he had, and arguably still has every opportunity to make himself a true legend in this program, right? A lot of um, what doesn't work in some of these games is on him. The ball's in his hands. The offense runs through him. He's the ultimate decision maker on the floor. Um, he thought he was an SEC player for a time last mm-hmm. He thought he was an NBA player. He still thinks he's an NBA player. But he is getting his lunch eaten by other A-10 guards, time in and time out, whether it's Quisenberry or Baldwin this week or name name names, you know, from from other games, guys, guys we've played who, if they haven't necessarily completely beaten him one on one or statistically for the game, Yuri is just not I just do not see an NBA player. I mean, I'm not rooting against the guy, but like. I've watched enough SEC, Big 12, a lot of Big East games this year. And man, oh man, there are a lot of point guards doing better things for their teams this season. And his assist number is really impressive. It's really something to see. But um, he's not helping us win. The inconsistent, that's really it. The inconsistency of this offense, of this team, a lot of that goes through him. And, And when I watch him stop passing the ball inexplicably down the stretch of a game where you're down single digits and you're, you're trying to take layups against three, six foot eight guys in a lane who are just licking their chops when they see you dribbling at them. Like, what are you doing? Like, how, how, how is that? How is that getting you closer to your goal of becoming a pro player? You got to win. Yeah. It's almost as though he's, he looks up at the scoreboard and he sees his, his assist tally and man, I got to get those points. NBA teams want scores. NBA teams want to win. I, yes. I I don't, I don't think they, they care about anything. I mean, sure. Yeah. There are, there are measurables. There are a lot of different things that they're looking at, but if they see something that you do, that's going to help them win, that's what does it. And if, and if you can't help slew win in the a 10 in a league that you're supposed to be winning in, with the talent that you, for ca- that you should win with we've you know you've got shooters on the wing you've got um you know you've you've got advantages uh in a lot of ways and and it's just not materializing i i, I don't understand it and it's so it's crazy to me to watch him 
fall into these bad habits over and over again when he has so much to play for. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I man, this game, I I just can't. You know, it's one of those things where you. you I think. Oh man, dude! I just I got. I got <laughs> you were in a dark. You were in in a dark place after this game, you know. And and, and look, it's it's VCU. I've I've been down in the dumps probably more at other times, even this season. Um, but it seemed like this was the one that put you over the edge. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those. For me, I I don't get out. My, like with what I my hobby of of triathlon, I don't go out and like I don't drink at the game often. I don't go before the game to drink. I don't go after that kind of stuff. So like I'm hyped up for VCU, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to Humphreys before, gonna have a few drinks at the game, and you 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 throw money at the at the evening, and it's just great. Thanks for just le- like I mean at least. Like I would have been okay with a loss. Like at the end of the day, if that if we go in that game and it comes down to final possession and VCU hits the shot, great. But what I can't take is just an utter like you're you're close heading into crunch time. And I mean, not even like 10 seconds into crunch time, you've already pissed the game away. Yeah. So uh I, I, a couple things. There is a, 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 a very reasonable scenario here in which Slew plays a good game and Ace Baldwin is just that dude that yeah. night, right? Um, I don't think that was the case here necessarily because I don't think there was enough else out of ECU that, that really um, beat us <laughs> yeah. uh, necessarily. I think it was a lot of Slew getting away from the things that work, right? And not and just not playing good basketball, especially not good basketball for long enough periods of time. The other thing you're saying there though, and I think this like cuts more to like where the fan base is and like what we have to do going forward, because like you're you're like, this was my night out, right? Like this was my my cheat night. This was my night off. I, I love this program. I love this team. Like I this is what I'm giving it up for, right? Um, I got it inked on me, dude. Uh, yeah. Hey, uh, trust me. I don't think anyone questions your commitment to this. No, I, I'm not. I don't. I'm not. I'm not trying to like measure. You know, I'm not doing a measuring contest here either. Not I'm, at all. I, no. I'm... But 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 my point is like this is this is supposed to be fun and like and for, and, and from my perspective, clearly not a triathlon uh, uh, runner here, triathlete. Um, but like, I've got two kids under the age of seven I've, I've just had like the, the the toughest six weeks challenge of my entire per- professional career i've been incredibly busy at work just like just so much stress in, in every aspect and it's like all right it's friday night I've, i'm gonna sit down and i'm gonna watch this game and all it's doing is adding more stress it's like it's not supposed to happen like that it's supposed to be fun and that's and that's really hard. And I and I wonder, Zach, if it's not just us, or you know, uh, who are who are getting frustrated here. I mean, like we saw kind of an unusual tweet from uh, Dr. Shafitz, who's normally a pretty upbeat guy. Yeah, uh, uh, terrible loss for St. Louis men's basketball. No more, no less. And he added the program too, as if they wouldn't see it anyway. Right. Um, right. Man, I, I mean, 
I think he had something like 20 replies to that tweet. Um, I would say most of them calling for Travis Ford's job. Um, you know, man, I, uh, dude, I, I, I write a fine line because the, like, again, every time somebody talks about Travis Ford, they say, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll hype up the, you know, the team will look great, ready going into the season, you know, a lot of talent and just will underperform. And, uh, it, it's, it's probably the greatest, like, that's the greatest thing ever. Like that's the greatest weapon you can have as a coach. Almost is like, is your fan base? Just you just keep getting your fan base excited. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I've tried, like I just watched Brock Vice put down a, and one, like literally look like the, and one shack logo Yeah, and a dunk. Sian Medley's getting nothing but floor general praise. Now, whether that's Yuri Collins' idea of floor general or an actual, you know, like a qua main floor general, I would prefer the latter. Um, and then, of course, Bruce Zhang, we finally, he finally, you know, came back onto the, uh, uh, I guess, uh, you know, he was off the map for a little bit and finally kind of resurfaced. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's hard because you want to get excited about, potential for for players coming in and then it's like wait a minute if we keep try if we get rid of travis like those players aren't coming in uh you know it's so i i don't know it's it's tough because SLU is not an sec or like yeah. we're not a football school there's not just like a war chest of money the way like no matter who our boosters are or or what they're willing to do it's just not that price right, right? like this isn't uh lsu or, or or ohio state or one of these like these crazy resourced programs like that we are the, what is true we are investing heavily in this program right mm -hmm. like through through tax disclosures and things that we can, can kind of find out we know travis ford is making somewhere in the neighborhood of two and a half million dollars a year which makes him by a pretty healthy margin the highest paid coach in the a10 and we know that two years ago he signed an extension in my mind that you know normally with a college coach that puts him out five years um possibly four or, so or yeah i my guess is always four but yeah yeah i mean but 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 say if it's five that means after this year that's three more years and if you're buying him out just the, the simple math that's seven and a half million dollars if it's two more years that's five million dollars that's a big chunk of money when we bought out the last two years on jim cruz's salary it was more in the neighborhood of three right it, it was it's a little more doable and it was um, so bad it was so bad there was no choice there was no choice. And Cruz himself knew it too. Now, look, you, you mentioned the guys coming in next year. It, it, they can be great. They can be absolutely game ready to yeah. play all play minutes in the A-10, but that doesn't get away from the fact that we're still rebuilding next year. Yeah. Collins is gone. Uh, Pickett's gone. Perkins is gone. We, uh, we probably think a couple other guys are gone. Okoro and Forrester are gone. They have no choice. Is I mean, I think. Thatch is retired. I mean, like we just named six guys there and we have two or three others who could leave. And, and you're um, not looking at a, at a, at a Billiken soccer situation where no. we're making the elite eight. It's no, so there's after that, you go to a lot of guys who have not really played yet. Your whole yeah. rotation 
potentially, we don't know about Jimerson and Hargrove for sure, but potentially your whole rotation um, is, is gone to the point where um, somebody like Sincere might be the, the highest contributing returner next season. That, that's a very realistic scenario. So no matter how good those freshmen are, we are rebuilding next year. Yeah. And it'll and, be it's it's gonna be the portal. It's the portal or bust if Ford is here. Regardless. But I, when I'm looking around and I, I've kind of made this point to some other people, and I don't know if I've necessarily made it on the show yet, I don't think the return on the portal is quite what um what what people think it might be. We yeah. you know, Fordham got a great uh uh transfer and more. Um, a lot of other transfers when you look around the league haven't necessarily played up to their potential. And it's not just true of our league. It's, it's all over the place that they, there was crazy NIL money thrown at, mm-hmm. at players in the portal. And sometimes these schools like who are expecting some of these guys to make a big jump up are going, well, maybe this is why this guy was just like a two or three star out of high school yeah. in the first place. He's just marginally better than he was. So it, you've got to be really careful in the portal because you're not going to have four years to like build a guy up, right? Like you, he has to be good right away because you're only going to get one or two years out of, out of most of these transfers, maybe three, if you get a, a guy a little bit younger. Um, but you need a guy who's a fit. You need a guy who's got the ability um, to contribute right away. Um, and it, we've seen enough transfers come in here that, that just haven't quite played up to expectations. So you, you, you really need to, in this situation, you need to hit a home run in the portal. It can't just be a few role players. Yeah. Uh, right now, I, I don't know where you think, Slew. Where do you think, you know, Travis Ford stands? Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be up to, it's honestly probably up to Chaffetz. <laughs> Well, we've got to see how this season plays out. There's, the, you know, we've seen, yeah. we've seen other situations where at this point in the year, we're not feeling great. Sixth. Well, no, actually, Travis Ford is just, he he knows what he's he's doing. Sixth place, win the tournament. That's just. That's right. It's it's all about the, it's all about Brooklyn, right? It's all about the A-10. Is it in Brooklyn this year? Uh, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Trust uh, me, I have the flight that. I have a hair <laughs> hairpin trigger ready to cancel it at any moment. So, so there it is, right? Like it, it's all, it's all about that. The A10 is so weird this year. I, I like, I think gambling on the A10 tournament would be like maybe the stupidest use of anyone's money in history. I mean, it's it's literally a one in fifteen throw of a dart. Uh, it, it's who, who knows, um, but but you know, we'll see how the rest of the season plays out. We are technically still in second place. Um, as, as bad as this has gone, I mean, Dayton fans would, and you know, we'll, we'll get into that soon, but Dayton fans, I'm sure are feeling a lot of the same feelings we are right now. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, again, it's hard to see Chris may making this move, uh, not the type of move he's really made. Uh, I think the only comparable, uh, well, obviously the only other time he's made a men's basketball coaching change was. Uh, Jim Cruz, he had no choice there. Um, but I think the closest we come here is Mike McGinty in 2017, mm-hmm. uh, being let go from uh, his head coaching position with men's soccer. Um, you know, uh, I think you wonder, though, if the experience with Cruz makes him less or more likely to pull the trigger on a coaching change early. That's a good point. Um, 
the, the, the thing about a coaching change is it can be the right time on your end, but you've also got to find the right person coming in. And I, I think in, in, we're going to, you know, we've teased this already, but in another episode, we're going to get into like kind of the what ifs and some of the what ifs with this program have to do with the timing of coaching changes. Mm -hmm. um, you can make a change that it's like, hey, look, this is like a clean break for us, right? It's the right time, but you just might not have the right candidates in out there. Um, it, 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 look, we don't know what it's going to look like when everybody shuffles around in March. And and maybe this is one of those years where we see a lot of movement because yeah. we didn't see much movement, you know, that first COVID year because we, the tournament didn't play out. And so I, you know, maybe there's, there's, there's guys that who bought themselves an extra year or two, and maybe there's some, some pent up demand at programs to make changes. Who knows what it looks like, but it, it's got to be, things have to work out right. And, and I, I do want to reiterate that I'm not, I like Travis. I'm not rooting. Yeah. For I think we I both, want him to work out. Yeah. I think people are just, not just us. People are frustrated with how things oh, yeah. are going right now. Um, Just uh, kind of a rundown of the last, uh, the, the years of the last coaching change and who was let go. Uh, 2023 was Kent Miller volleyball. Uh, 2022 Lisa stone uh, swimming, 2022 Halliburton. That's a weird one that I think we need to get into one day, but I, well, he resigned, no, right? He, and I mean, he, he definitely he, resigned. He definitely resigned. Uh, I, I think, you know, uh, they didn't really see eye to eye on the program and his compensation. So, uh, he pieced out, uh, Baumgartner, uh, field hockey, 2019, uh, Jonathan Zitch tennis, 2019 McGinty, 2017, uh, and then Cruz 2016 uh, coaches been here the longest or John Bell track and field 2008 Christy Canoyer softball been here since 2010 Hendrickson here since 2008 um, yeah I, not, I mean just kind of putting that out there for context well, and it, and it bears repeating that the 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 economic side of this is completely yes. different in men's which basketball is, which is why all I of these others which is why I think the only comparable one close is McGinty. Right. Who right. wasn't and, and, living up to program expectations. And they don't disclose the private school. There's no, these are not disclosed salaries, but we all know, right. Yeah. We all know that Travis Ford makes uh, more than a lot of those coaches combined. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think it's a sticking point for a lot of people, uh, yeah. not just fans. Um yeah, it, it, it's just I don't I don't want to see anyone fail. I really don't. I hate no. it. Yeah, no, it's horrible. He's been a he's been so gracious with us. Yeah, you know, like like directly. We 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 don't want this, but but um, you know, it, it, it's clear where where sentiment is building among uh, the fan base, and it's it's not it's not pretty this season. These operating under the burden of expectations. You know, like this was going to be the year. All right, Billiken fans, continuing a little bit of how we've kind of been running the show. Uh, this week, we have uh, Gary Azera and Andrew Pazinski of the Rhodey oh. Baseline uh, to help us preview the Billikens and Rams part three uh, of the last seven days, <laughs> I believe. Uh, they are Rhode Island fan podcast that covers men's and women's basketball and all the latest happenings in the A-10. Gary and Andrew Thanks for joining us on the Midtown Madness podcast. 
Oh, thanks for having I, us and all the power I, I to you. I, You're one of the first people that has pronounced my last name right. So good for you. I was just I was just about to say that was uh, pretty good at pronouncing his last name. I, I'm I'm already impressed at this point. Uh, <laughs> of all the things that I'm bad at, uh, pronunciations are not one of them. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, we uh, we appreciate you guys having us, and we look forward to talking the game, and hopefully we can pull off the upset, but it's going to take a lot of work out of our boys in blue to take down you guys on Tuesday night. Uh, it's year one in the Archie Miller era at Rhode Island. Uh, Rhodey is 8-14 and 14 overall and 4-6 and six in a crowded cluster of teams just below 500 in the A-10. Uh, how do you think the team is – performing compared to expectations coming into the season with uh Miller as head coach uh that's a that's a tough tough question to start I think we've had our ups we've had our downs I mean you can expect that with a first year team um we've definitely seen the seen the what's the word I'm looking for the potential of Archie definitely think they got the the Right guy. Obviously, the win totals aren't there like it was with David Cox last year, but I think the culture is big. And the one thing I will say, no matter how many games we lose this year, the team has hasn't given up. You, we just lost to, I believe, it was St. Joe's in Philly, and they came. They fought their whole way the whole game. And I think the perfect example is that LaSalle game. They were down eleven at the half. Could have easily folded. It was a weekend game at the Ryan Center. Students weren't. I think the students were first came back and they came back, won that game. And I think that just shows you that it's there and hopefully we can capitalize on it the rest of this way. And as long as we don't play on Wednesday, we'll be happy. That's interesting. So it seems like the vibes are still positive um, out of Rhode Island, just despite what's going on. Yeah, they're, they're good vibes. And that should, that should tell you how the last couple of seasons have been in, in Kingston. We weren't, we we were very excited that the around here it rounds the state school and they're not a the state hasn't really put a lot of money into the basketball program and to see the school make the investment in the basketball program bringing it, bringing in a big name head coach was huge for us we just broke ground on a practice facility last year that i believe is supposed to be done either june this year or before next season so obviously Obviously, the steps are being taken to get the program back to where it was under Dan Hurley, and it also helps where our football program and our men, our women's basketball program, are starting to trend up. So it just gives like the not to not that men's basketball isn't, but it had doesn't have all the eyes on it as they do their rebuild. So you're led by two six foot two, hundred and eighty pound sophomores from Washington D.C., um, Ishmael Leggett and Brayon Freeman. For two guys who kind of look so similar on a roster, what can you tell us about the differences in their games? I think that that's Ish. I mean, Ish is is he was he's been with us for three years now, and he's he's more the distributor, the calm leader on the court. And Brayon, we've seen Brayon last year at GW. This year, he just shoots. He's a funny. He's a fun loving guy. Just loves to play the game. Scores. It was uh, it was our last home game, and before the game, he's dancing along with the band. He's just he looks like he's out there having fun, and he he can get you the bucket when you need to get the bucket. Some of the shots he's shooting is is crazy. Some of these cir- ridiculous circle shots. It's just it's crazy. Once these two get a full summer together and a full season together and get to be with Archie for one more year, 
I think the A10 is going to be it's going to be one of those backcourts of like us roadie fans probably um Fats, Jared Terrell, EC Matthews, those three if the, if we can get half of what that is, the A10's in trouble. Uh, yeah, and I and I I want to jump in on that too. So the one good thing and it ties in with Archie as well. So Rayon in the beginning of the season was having a you know a tough time getting used to the 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 different atmosphere. So Archie decided to bench him for after you know I think it was the second or the third game. And you know a lot of fans could have looked at that and said you know why is he benching him? He's one of your top scorers, etc. From that moment on, when he's put him back in there. He's been been a beast and and you know contributed to, to help me out with Ish as well, which is a huge point and has you know kind of turned the tables where everyone was a little worried about Brayon, you know, but he's kind of shown that he uh, he likes where he's at and like Andrew said, you know, the last game at home he was pumping up the crowd, you know, jumping around, you know, he just seems like he's having a good time out there. Uh, this team is young. One senior in Malik Martin, one junior in Jalen Carey, and everyone else is a freshman or sophomore. Uh, is the thought that this roster is going to mostly look the same next season as Archie builds around a young core, or are some of these guys going to cycle out as he upgrades either talent or experience? I think I th- majority of I think the only we only have three holdovers from last year being Jalen, Malik, and Ish, as you said. But, oh, and we have a redshirt sophomore, Boo Sam. Those are the four holdovers. But outside of that, these are all Archie's guys who he brought in. A lot of them a lot of them are getting playing time. There's a couple on the bench that aren't who you could see possibly transferring out. But majority of the guys he brought in, he brought them in in the transfer portal. So it seemed like they're all going to be here for the foreseeable future, especially Brayon Freeman, Brandon Weston, the transfer from Seton Hall. Um, then we have a cut. Those are the two big guys that are playing, playing a lot of minutes. We also have Sebastian Thomas, who is a holdover. He's a Rhode Island kid. I don't see him going anywhere. He was grew up in Providence, went to school in Providence. So he is a Rhode Island kid. So he'll definitely stay. Definitely a lot of young kids. And then there's a couple of guys on the bench you could see transferring or redshirting. But I also believe that Archie didn't use all the scholarships. I believe we have two or three left over that he hmm. didn't fill out. Wow. So I think we don't hold me to that. So I think we can definitely expand on that. But yeah, definitely, definitely a young team. The one thing I will tell you is we need more bigs. We're we're set at the guard position, but I we could definitely use some more bigs. Which transitions right into this question because because I'm looking at your roster and I'm looking at your production, and it kind of looks like maybe you play a little on the small side. You've got Bilau who's six ten. He averages about seven and six. You've got a six eleven kid who, who averages about three and three, and then Abdu Sam um, is about six eight, and he averages about five and three. Is it just kind of a guard heavy scheme, um, or are you just not getting great production out of these guys? It's a little bit of both. We actually, I think, it, I believe it was Bilal who actually is out for the season. He just he injured his knee a few weeks ago, so he's out for the you're, season. You're, so now you're correct, Andrew. So you're now correct, we're on a we're on a three we a three man bigs with mm-hmm. one of our freshmen, Rory Stewart, who's not your prototypical five. He's more of a four, and was brought in here as a a Kelly Olynyk shooter type of big. He can shoot the ball, but he's been thrust to play the five when we get into foul trouble. So that's actually how we won the LaSalle game. Archie made the halftime adjustment and we played five guards the entire second half. And LaSalle just couldn't adjust to though having five guards on the court. Because Malik Martin, he can play as a big, but he's also he's a guard. He's a smaller version of his brother. And 
we all know how his brother wreaked havoc in the A10 a few years ago. Right. Uh, that'll that I think that'll be an interesting talking point going into this Billiken game because Slew plays four out one in. Um, obviously they have the horses to play that say that that style. So uh, it will be interesting to see. But uh, so definitely I think a storyline for for Billiken fans to watch. Uh, there's no way around it. Uh, the Rams have had a tough go of it, especially in non-conference play. Just four wins and some really painful losses. Yeah, uh, us. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dude. Um, were there any positives that you guys were able to take away from that stretch, or is it a no moral victories type deal? There were definitely some moral victories at the beginning of the season. Like I would say the PC game, which is our big rivalry game, which is kind of like you guys in Dayton. They're our in-state rival, Providence. We played an awful first half, but managed to come back and make it a game um the same thing with our bought a game at boston college we were down by 11 managed to come back but we just kept blowing it so there were a couple of moral victories but at some point gary and i, I think we talked about it a few times how we at some point you got to stop having the moral victories and be able to finally finish off a couple of games which they were able to do against i think at I think the first big victory that we had was getting off the Schneid and getting Archie's first win against Stony Brook, but the Caymans wasn't a success for us, which whatever. But I think the big, the two big wins that we really had were against was, was against UMass Lowell. Um, UMass Lowell is one of the tops in their conferences. We were down, I believe 10 points in the second half in that game. And the team, for whatever reason, came back, picked up the Ryan center was rocking. They were able to come back. And I think that's the first time you saw that, okay, what Archie's building is working here. The players believe, and you just have to, you just have to wait. We know it's not, we're a mid-major program. You're not going to be able to bring in these big names that a Kentucky is going to be able to bring in, or a Duke's going to be able to bring in on their first, on a first year head coach. It's going to take some time to build in. And I believe I told Gary this as we were leaving the Ryan center that night, I go, Mark my words, you remember how empty this building is three, four years from now when Archie has turned Rhode Island into Dayton. This place is going to be packed. We won't be, we'll be winning games and going to the tournament every year, like a Dayton, like a VCU, like a St. Louis, for example, sometimes. And we'll be one of the favorites in Brooklyn. Hopefully it won't be in Brooklyn, but that's an argument for another day. Yeah, UMass Lowell. That's uh, that that isn't a bad win. They beat U- UMass Amherst this year, so they've already drawn. That, they they uh, are the flagship. Blood. That's right. Yeah, I like these guys already. They don't like you, trash. I mean, UMass. <laughs> I don't. To be fair, I really don't like anybody. Yeah, I just it's just that I rarely think about George Mason and Fordham. Yeah, Fordham's got a good squad this year. Oh, we I don't. Know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, no. Now talk about. Uh, fan base that was just kind of trash in the last week oh uh, yeah they we've never encountered them at never. all and all of a sudden they're in our in our inbox and in our mentions with like just horrible stuff <laughs> yeah gary and i are making the trip up to fordham at the end of the month we already beat them once but we got we we try to go to every every arena and we have yet to get we want to get to st louis but we have to go on weekends and we haven't played you guys on a weekend yet keep us posted yeah. on that oh yeah we will so, so Rhode Island's one of the only teams we've seen this season actually cancel a game for COVID within the program. That was the the Milwaukee yeah. game, 
in late December. What was the mood when that happened? Was it like, oh, here we go again? Or was it just kind of a knowledge like, actually, yeah, we did just have a bunch of positive tests and this is just a kind of a short-term fluke? I think it it came as to us as a shock, complete to be completely honest, because they canceled it like the day before. They had the game in Georgia State that weekend, and right. we had heard like a little bit of rumblings that the team had a little bit of a bug going into that game. And then they actually, rumor has it, I don't know how true it is, half the team had to bust back from Georgia because they were sick. Wow. So it was more, of, I think it was more of a like a, one-time thing because they were and it that game i think was that game was the tuesday before christmas and we didn't play again until the uh, new year's eve so we just think it was like okay let's shut things down let's let's get everybody healthy we'll come back for the a10 i'm assuming if it if there was more time in between conference play and stuff we would have rescheduled it because i know it was the back end of uh back-to-back with Milwaukee or home and home with Milwaukee. So hopefully we can get that one back on the schedule, but I think it was more of just a fluke type of deal with us. Cause, and not for nothing coming out of that, they looked a lot, they played, they were starting to play a lot better after that. I mean, I know the score doesn't show with LaSalle, us losing going one and two to start a 10 play, but they had more jump in their step. It was like, it was a, it was a reset, if you will. Um, you mentioned that Fordham game, uh, every A10 game just really feels like a coin flip. Uh, I want to, and I think we should highlight uh, two wins that you guys had, including that Fordham game. The other one is Dayton. One team we struggled with on the road and one team is our main rival, but we still have to play twice. Uh, what did you see in those games that you mentioned, you know, the, the, uh, what was it? Versus Fordham, the five guard. Oh, no, we did that against oh, LaSalle. Sorry, yeah. So then again, uh, what did you see in those games, uh, the Fordham and Dayton game that ultimately gave Rhodey the advantage? I think the big thing in the Dayton game was one of their starters didn't play, so that obviously had a big, <laughs> had a big helping in it. But, and the Dayton game, I, if we, I don't know what got into us, but we were hitting shots like we've never hit shots before. We were rebounding. Like those, like our two big issues are rebounding and hitting shots, and we were doing both of those, so that probably had something to do with it. But I get, and it's hard to. I'm not one well, for that, did, but did, did Archie Miller just tell them he'll take them all out to get McDonald's if they beat Dayton? Is that's that what, what I think. Like he he talked that whole week that it wasn't big to him, and then some of the players were like, "We got to get this win for Archie." So as much as like all the coaches all the time say, "Oh, we don't get." We don't put a lot of emphasis on these games. Like, let's be real. That was on the bulletin board. We got to go get Archie this win. Like, they can tell us all what they want. They, The guys knew that this one meant more to Archie, and they played like that. And the other thing I hate to say, the crowd the crowd that night was one of the best crowds we had all night, all season. So I think the crowd played a part in that. And like I said, they were missing one of their starters. And then, uh, what, which... I think it was Holmes. Holmes is their NBA prospect. I think we we played very well against him. I mean, he still got his 19 points, but I think we 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 zoned in on him, and that was the key to shutting Dayton down. And then obviously the refs were calling some fouls that were a little questionable, but that's typical in the Atlantic 10. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, so we're not the only ones, huh? 
No, no, no. And I think the big thing, and that's if you look at all of Rhode Island's wins, the big thing is if Rhode Island gets to the free throw line. If we get to the free throw line, odds are we're gonna win a few games. So and, was that the was that the case in the Fordham game too? Uh, let me double check, but I know that was probably we shot twenty three of twenty six against Dayton from the free throw line, and they oh, only wow. got to the line seventeen times. In the Fordham game, we got to the line thirty times, and they only. So yeah, if yeah. we can get to the line, if we can get to the line, we'll do pretty well in winning. It's a good recipe. But if you guys out rebound us, you guys will destroy us because we can't. Rebounding is our issue. We've gotten yeah. better the last few games, but you guys get offensive rebounds. There's nothing we can do about it. We have a lot of issues. Uh, it's really hard to pinpoint just one. One of them will rear its ugly head every game, whether it be rebounding, yeah. defense, scoring. Yeah, but y'all are still second in the conference. <laughs> it's it's baffling. It makes Perspective, no sense. Perspective, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I think if I think the keys to this game is if Rhode Island, if the guy, if Ishmael and Brayon can get to the line with Malik, you guys are going to be in trouble. But if you guys can keep the guards on the perimeter and not let us get on the boards, you guys are going to be in good shape. So we've got a player, um, Jake Forrester, who spent the beginning of his college career uh, playing for Archie Miller at Indiana. Um, he came onto our show after, you know, he was new to the team last summer and uh, and told us that he would be very, very ready for this game. Um, has there is there any awareness of this matchup from from the Rhode Island perspective? Um, or is this or is this something that Zach and I have just kind of, you know, since we've talked to him about it, kind of pinpointed as a uh, lookout for this matchup? Well, to put it to you this way, I did not know Jake Forrest, Forrester played for Indiana before he was at St. Louis. So that should tell you that right there. <laughs> I mean, technically he played at Temple before St. Louis. Yeah, we're his third stop. Ah, see, that tells you how much we know about him up here in Kingston. So, <laughs> yeah, I think. To be completely honest with you, Archie hasn't really talked about his time at Indiana. The only he's only really talked about his time at I Dayton. Wouldn't either. Yeah, he doesn't really mentioned Indiana at all. He's talked mostly about Dayton and how he wants how he wants to turn Rhode Island into an A ten power again. Yeah, um, I can't imagine he had a very good time at Indiana. Yeah, I, yeah. A I lot, can't blame him. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot known about. Uh, Rhode Island from a slew perspective, but who's a guy that may be unknown, unknown uh, that, uh, that Billiken fans should look out for. There's that's a hard question to answer because there's, if it depends on how Archie substitutes people in and the starting lineup, you'll have Jalen Carey, the transfer to Syracuse, who's in his third year, I believe in Rhode Island. He's a quick shifty guard who will surprise you with how high he can jump. He is he can get to the turnovers, so he can turn the ball over a lot, but he's fast. He gets right up in you. Defensively, he's pretty aggressive, so I'd keep an eye on him. Brandon Weston coming off the bench, the transfer from St. Louis, from not St. Louis, from Seton Hall. He's he's been getting more and more in Archie's goodwill and getting more and more minutes. He can shoot the three. So he's he's a guy under the radar that nobody really talks about. And then I would say Sebastian Thomas, the kid out of Providence. He's another good guard who comes off the comes off the bench. He's quick. He's fast. Um, he's got a good handle. He can. He's got a mean floater. He'll you'll think he's going to keep driving to the for the lap, and then he'll just put that floater right over and into the hoop over you guys. So make sure you guys are up a little bit further 
in the box instead of um down right around the circle and that i will pass that along to travis ford let me know if he takes <laughs> that advice <laughs> brandon weston is a, a kid I, I believe we recruited um in high school i don't know if we were seriously in the mix or anything like that but i do remember us recruiting him and him going to seton hall yeah one of uh one of the things i always like to know is when you know we we now have a pretty good perspective of of who Rhode Island is this season, but how do you guys perceive SLU this year? You know, whether it be uh, how we're performing versus expectations, or just what you think of SLU as a as an opponent this season. I, you guys are always been tough to us. Back, I mean, you still have Yuri Collins, but back in the days of the of Ahmad French and Goodwin and all them, you guys were always tough. But I think you guys are one of the conference favorites. You guys had a little bit of a tougher non-conference we could be talking about an at-large bid for you guys um you guys are always tough i think it's going to be a dogfight on tuesday nights and i've definitely always have wanted to get out to st louis to see the billikens play travis ford isn't my favorite coach in the whole wide world but shocking hey another <laughs> somebody another person you wait a minute i mean dude he spurned umass you gotta love that shit yeah, I just I don't know. He get I mean, we had Dan Hurley, but so oh, he, he always talk, gets a little, talk about the worst. He always gets aggressive. I don't know. I mean, we have Archie now, but I don't know. I just Travis Ford, I don't know, he just rubbed me the wrong way. But I will say I've always respected the St. Louis fans because we were uh, we were in Brooklyn a few years ago and we had me and Gary actually had dinner at what turned out to be the St. Louis bar. I think it was McMahon's. Come around that the corner. Right. They had the big Billiken thing blown up right in front of the bar and then all the fans were coming in and we had just i think we had just lost or we had just won a game and they were like oh good game good game and then i saw some people who actually worked with the university and they're all really nice talking to us so i've always i've always had respect for the st louis fans as well as some other schools but we also all have the schools where we absolutely hate their fan bases that's good to know at least our fans aren't hated do you think travis is is, is maybe the least liked coach in the a-10 no, I think Frank Martin's starting to win that uh win that battle. Oh, wow, so soon. Yeah, that that didn't take long there. We have uh obviously we're close to UMass. We have some of their Twitter feeds on us, and apparently he said some questionable things in his hey, no, no. I I'll stop it there. <laughs> he did not. I I will From I will what defend I've him. On, I will defend him this time on this one. Uh all he yeah, you gotta go back and watch the whole video. That yeah. dude, whoever took it out of context, I, honestly, if I'm Frank Martin, I'm taking that dude's press pass. I don't care. Uh, yeah, we also, uh, we tweeted at him at the beginning of the season, like, good banter, fun. They tweeted, oh, let's pack the Mullen Center or something. And we tweeted, oh, why? You're going to give away stuff or something like that because they never get any fans. And then he goes, oh, you guys mind your own damn business. We'll <laughs> handle us. You guys handle yourself. And I'm like, dude. You've been in Amherst for two weeks. You're going to let these two 20-something-year-olds who are talking basketball on Twitter get in your head? And we were like, whatever. He he doesn't – he has not modernized well. Zach and I went over this a couple weeks ago where he had that weird rant in a press conference after a game. Uh, It it seems like social media really gets to him. Like, he doesn't know how to handle that at all. He has nothing else to do in Amherst, so he he, probably gets lost in it. He's like, again, he's been kind of funky, you know, since he arrived, but like, I will defend him on the, 
the most recent comments. Yeah. I don't think he was saying what what that guy made it out to be saying at all. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, hey uh, Andrew, thank you so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, things get a little bit better in uh, in Kingston after Tuesday. <laughs> hopefully, after Tuesday. Thanks so much for having us, and uh, hopefully next year. We travel out to St. Louis and it's on a weekend. So Gary and I can show up and see what St. Louis has to offer. Come on out. I got, I got all the recommendations. <laughs> Perfect. All right, take good. it easy. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks guys. You guys have a good one. Well, thanks. Thanks to the guys from roadie baseline for joining the show. Uh, Pete, there's, there's, there's a couple big games this week, but then there's a bigger game uh, on Sunday. Uh, and you know what would be great to keep stocked in your fridge for that party? Yeah, it, it would. And I'm I'm due for an order. Um, I, I'm like on my last jar right now, uh, which for me means it's time to reorder. And I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to craft, Zach. I don't know if we're gonna see eye to eye on this, but like I try to order six at a time, like my perfect six pack. And gen- generally, here's how I'm doing it: it's two dill pickles um that go into the order and then i get four salsas i generally do one screaming hot uh i'll do one regular hot i'll do one of the fruits and actually last time i got the medium sugar free uh to try that one out and it was great it's they they have a six pack option on there they've got a four pack option on there but i kind of like to build my own and do it that way and then i'll throw in a pickling pouch because that's easy to kind of uh squeeze in there as well so that's a little behind the scenes peek at how i'm going to have my fridge stocked for the big game next week zach oh and why would i leave it out two men in a garden.com is where you can go make that happen of course uh two men in a garden.com is where i'm going to be visiting after we finish recording here and i'm going to put in another order before we finish recording though we got to talk to dan sully sullivan about Arch Baron Cup 2020-2023 round one. And that interview is coming up right now. Billiken fans, you know what week it is. Uh, it's it's kind of, it's you know, th- there was a lot of talk about North Carolina, Duke, uh, hyping that game up with two unranked programs. And I would say it's, it's much easier to hype up the Arch Baron Cup. And when it's Arch Baron Cup week, you know we got to talk to my – Best friend of me, Dan Sully Sullivan. Uh, Sully, what's going on, buddy? Good to be back on the show. It's Arch Baron Cup week indeed, but uh, I'd be remiss if I did not mention that this matchup has kind of lost a little bit of shine, fellas. I think we can all we can all just come clean and admit that to ourselves as we start tonight. Sandbagging already. Yeah, I'm sorry. It just is what it is, man. You know what? And I'll start the show with this, like just to to kind of set the table, right? Like. I legitimately don't know how other fans of programs in this conference do this shit. Like none of our games matter between now and like what the first week of March. And you'll see, like, you'll see this all the time. Like UMass fans are like big game tonight. Like we got an important one. Like, no, it's not man. Like it's not an important game. You know, like it's not a big game. And and I just like, this is one of those years where I'm taking a step back and I'm like, how do fans of programs that don't matter do this? Cause like Dayton now is in that space. Like we're pretty irrelevant right now, as far as that large conversation. And 
Um, man, like hats off to those people. God, how do they do it, man? How? It's a it's a good question. It makes me feel like I ask this every college football year, where I see fan bases like, all right, we've got a big, we've got a bowl game coming up, the TaxSlayer.com bowl against Middle Tennessee. We really got to get yeah. up for this game. And Huge I game. look at it like I cannot in my life imagine caring about one of those like lower bowl games at, at all. Um, you're right though. I mean, like here we sit, both of our teams are still on that, you know, top four line where we get the, the, the double buy in the a 10 tournament. And, uh, and yet it's, it's way below expectations. And I guess I'll, I'll flip it to you first year six of the Anthony Grant era this season fallen, clearly fallen short of expectations. It seems like Dayton fans though have been very up and down on him this season. Where do you stand right now on Anthony Grant as your head coach? And where do you think that compares oh to the fans? Kicking it off hot. I mean, you know, at this point the results speak for themselves. Um, I wrote down this afternoon just for my own sanity through uh so let's call it 23 games or 24 games, as it were, I tried to find on February 5th, where has Dayton been in five out of six years, right? That was my, uh, my, was my goal here. So the one COVID year I had to take to the end of the year, because, you know, February 5th, we'd only played like whatever, 12 games or something. So uh, this year we're 15 and nine last year. At this point, we were 15 and eight. Uh, the 2021 year, we were 14 and nine. The, you know, year of Jesus, we were 20 and two, of course, the year before that we were 15 and eight and the first year of Anthony Grant, we were 10 and 12. So, I mean, I don't really have to like argue with people about it anymore. It's like, if this is good enough for you as a Dayton fan, we just have different expectations of where the program's going to be. And, you know, if that means you have to support Grant or, you know, you have to be in his corner, I mean, so be it, but the results speak for themselves. Like we're talking about a coach that hasn't won a tournament game since 2007. We're talking about a guy that's gone to the tournament one time in his last 12 collegiate seasons. I mean, there's, there's nothing to talk about anymore. It's at this point, I haven't publicly been like, Hey, we need to move on. But if we don't win the a 10 tournament, that's where I'll be is like, it's just time to move on. This isn't working. And I had somebody ask me recently, like, oh, well, how quickly have you forgotten about 2020? And I'm like, that's the only reason we're even having this conversation about Anthony Grant. If 2020 was even like a middle of the road year, it would be unequivocally fire him now and let's move on before the end of the season. Right. But where we're sitting here today, I mean, if Dayton fans, you know, want to be 15 and nine and have meaningless Februaries every year then yeah, AG's your guy, man, because he's been doing that like more years than he hasn't. So, um, I mean, I'm frustrated, but to be honest, like I think what really sucks is that people have to pick their sides right now, right? And they have to support that side. But like, I don't have a side, like whether you hate AG or hate AG, I just want to win basketball games and I don't really care who the coach is that gets us there, right? So it's a long-winded way of just saying like, Am I in or out on AG? I mean, I'm in on a coach that is successful and is going to get us to the tournament. And it's pretty clear that he's not that guy. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. Do, do you think, well, I'm curious, sorry, Pete. Um, by the way, when you started out with here, we said, I thought you were breaking into a bathroom stall limerick there for a minute. Yeah. Um, no, no Sun, uh, it's Sunday night. I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, I'm not in my best Tuesday nights no, when I'm, I spit my best. No, um, 
so it's interesting because the you guys went into this season basically like, oh my God, we're bringing everybody back. We're going to be amazing, all this stuff. And we did similar, but with different reasonings. Yeah. Um, and and Pete, my, my prophetic co-host, who has already turned around the Loyola Chicago Ramblers uh, by telling them they have a bench. So he, he will now be leaving the show to take the assistant job at Loyola next year. Yeah. Um, he said, he said straight up that Dayton, you know, is it might be expecting too big of a leap based on advancement of one year uh, age wise for, for that team. Uh, what do you think about the idea that maybe their inexperience is still the reason they're not getting over that hump? No, I mean, it's, there's like a multitude of reasons, but like experience isn't one of them, you know, because yeah, last year, that whole, um, let's call it a narrative, even though I, I don't love that being thrown around in college basketball because it, it assumes agenda. But last year, it was that Dayton was, you know, a super young team because of the freshman, sophomore nomenclature next to their name, right? But like this year, like, and that barely held water because a lot of those guys were in their second year of, of collegiate basketball, right? They just hadn't played a full year because of the, the COVID year. Right. So then at this point in, in Dayton's lineup, okay, I'm going to read these off and hopefully these will like load fast enough for me, but Tamani Kamara is nearing his hundredth game. No, he's over a hundred games. He's played 115 games in collegiate basketball. Okay. Um, and I can go down the list here, like Amzil, Blakeney, Brea. We don't Elvis. care about you that much. No, I know, but like, <laughs> I know, like, I'm not going to like, you know, list them all off, but basically what I'm saying is I could go down the list of Dayton's roster and these guys have played like a minimum of 50 games in, you know, in collegiate basketball. So at first Dayton fans were like, all right, well, we're experienced. Like we're, we're inexperienced. We'll figure it out this year. And like, okay, all right. I hear that. And then it was, um, well, you know, we just got to get healthy and then, then we'll be good this year. You know, we'll be fine. Okay. Then we got healthy and we're losing to Bonaventure, Rhode Island anyways, GW. Right. And then it's like, well, we got all this talent, like Grant will be able to put it together and like, you know, turn this thing around. Here we are 15 and eight with all that talent I was told about for the last two years. And we're in the exact same spot. So it's, it's like frustrating for me because I know fans want to be hopeful and they want to provide like, here's the reasons I'm hopeful. And they're usually rooted with good intent, but like they don't hold water anymore. We're in the same space. We were five out of six years. It just is what it is. Right. There's one person to blame, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. The narrative that I keep getting stuck on with Dayton this season is that they, they beat bad teams pretty soundly and then they lose to good teams. Um, that's kind of, yeah little upended recently because you've lost to George Washington and Rhode Island narrowly beat Loyola um, and then a couple more A-10s I think would be what wouldn't be necessarily called bad teams yeah. um, and then of course the Bonaventure result the other day I don't know what to make of that yet um, but but is that overall impression of the season fair is there just kind of like a high floor low ceiling situation I mean it sounds like that's what you're settling at as like the the overall arc of the Anthony Grant era yeah, I mean, they're just a poorly coached team, to be honest with you. Like, even if I, like, watch 10 of their games, you could turn them on any night and be like, you know what, this this is not a well-coached team. And when you go back and you look at, like, all of Grant's teams in his six years, 
they all have like the same ailments uh, over his entire resume. You know, they turn the ball over a lot. They don't generate turnovers on the defensive end. Like they, they have just basically like these very strict guidelines that they follow. They all play very slow. They rely on the two point bucket. Never a great shooting team from outside. You know, their possession lengths are super slow on defense. They slow you down too. We get behind. We can't make up that ground because we're unwilling to pick up the pace. It's like, that's kind of the more concerning thing. Like when you ask about Grant, like, how do you feel about him? Like wins and losses are one thing, but like what's most concerning is we don't have an identity. Like we don't play a good brand of basketball and it's, it's just, I don't know. It's boring. Like it really is. It's so boring. And we are all the same time is a flat circle. (laughs) Yeah. Reality is a construct. We've just been having this conversation for like an hour. Yeah. In God's name. So it's we're just so this, frustrating. We're dude. the same program in the same place with the same coach right now. Because I was like, Do you guys was, just want to trade? Can we trade? Yeah. <laughs> Try you guys swap coaches. <laughs> that would be like the ultimate sports experiment, by the way. People got so mad at me last week. I was like, Do you realize in year six of Anthony Grant that our identity as a program is like the building and the fans? It has nothing to do with the on the court product. It's all the other stuff because we talk about it all the time because we're not going to talk about the winning that we're not doing. You know, we got to talk about something. So you might as well talk about the arena. It's like, it's getting old, man. Ours is always talent. We have the talent. Got the talent. Oh, we're, you know, wait for February or whatever. And that's the thing. Like you guys get it, right? You can't turn it around in February in the A-10. You've already sown the seeds of what's going to grow. You know, you just, you, you have to keep watering it in February. Like you you can't just all of a sudden be like, all right, we're going to turn it on and get in the tournament. Like we don't play in the fucking big 10. You know, you don't have Q1 opportunities abound. So it's, it's too little too late. for both. Tremaine Tremaine Isabel would take issue with that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. In our case, it, it happened when we had one player who decided to get serious and, and really start, start playing um but that yeah i I don't think that opportunity exists uh for most of us this season no no it's it's frustrating i mean the conference is so down and you would think like with all three of us sitting here if we would have this conversation like a month ago you'd have been like by the time we get to arch baron cup like both of our teams will have like a loss or two right (laughs) and like here we are like we both first place hanging in the balance the two (laughs) clear-cut favorites it's a heavyweight title match we're like, uh, yeah. You, so. you know, the, in the notes, I, I have this is not a good matchup for SLU this season. I throw that out the window. No, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. Sorry, Pete. I'm throwing your paper, note out. I'm telling you. On, yeah, yeah. Right yeah. on paper. I'm, I, but like we live in a, a reality that is just the most. A, we watching Pepperdine and uh, whoever the hell they played. I don't last night, yeah. the other night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that yeah. I thought I was watching an Atlantic 10 game. Oh, yeah, it was no bad. No idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I really don't know what happens in this game. I mean, honestly, we've, you know, it, it, again, I've seen Holmes and Kamara just get completely taken out of the game, seen Amzil be taken out of the game. Like, but then again, on our side, like I've seen, you know, Perkins being taken out of the game. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I have no idea, dude. I, when you look at this matchup, Sully, are you looking at it uh, as 
you know, with SLU as a big opportunity for the front court to go off, or are you worried about potential vulnerabilities in the back court, or did you just not give a shit anymore? Oh man, it's, I'm close, dude. I'm real close. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is probably the most indifferent about about I've been about the team for like probably like a decade, yeah. you know. And it's been brewing. It's not like this happened overnight. It's just like I know what's in front of us, but to you know speak about the basketball doing that's going to happen on uh friday um it, it's even hard to say this is a bad matchup for you guys because like we can't guard the perimeter very well at all and like any kind of getting hot at the three-point arc will keep you in the game for us right so like if the if the guards are getting penetration and then creating mismatches slew is going to be able to put up points right um, and I thought that like Dayton's defense was their strength and it's not. And the other thing I'll say in your favor is Travis Ford's been very good against us over the years at being physical down low, like just being physical in general, right? Against Dayton. I don't know how it's been against everybody else, but if you get physical with this team, like we're soft, like, I'll tell you that straight up. Like this team is just soft. They this have, is the same. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, what yeah, it's, we we're looking in a mirror right now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so so we will. There will be stretches of the game where we move the ball around great, and 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 Perkins and uh, Jimerson and Parker will hit threes, yeah, and we'll look great, and then we'll just abandon it for no reason. We'll sure. just abandon it. So don't worry. Yeah. We'll we'll keep you guys in the game no matter how it's going. Yeah. I I do I do still think the front court's a problem though because we don't have a four. We play yeah. one five at a time, and if you've got a four um or or if you've got a three and a four if you've got multiple forwards who can play you're gonna you're gonna get production against us and i think the size of your front court is what worries me or the size of your whole roster honestly is what worries me yeah and and i mean like that's the other thing right is that like we just haven't done a great job of like um of maximizing that talent right like i think you guys remember enough in 2020 that like we were so good because like we maximized what Obi was good at, like the fast break passing out of the post, right? Like Duran really hasn't improved on his post play. And so like, we just haven't been able to get the most out of it because like, if you are physical with him and you deny him the ball, like it's going to be a long night for him. He just hasn't really like, I, I hate to say it like so simplistically. And you know, if you like said it to his face, I'm sure he'd like have something to say, but like, he just doesn't have that dog in him, you know, like that. You, just like, when you're a down low post guy, you're going to, it's going to get grimy some nights and he's just not really able to counteract that and be like one of the best big men in the country. He's still probably the best big man in the A-10, but um, unfortunately he's the focal point of the team. And um, I don't know. It's just, it just hasn't really gone well this season, just like top to bottom really. Who's healthy at guard for you guys right now? everybody's back um because that was the thing everybody was like well just wait till we got healthy and then we got healthy and we kept losing games against bad teams anyways so yeah everybody's back i mean it's kobe elvis malachi smith the guys you know kobe bray is the shooter um the like lone shooter we have but um you know dayton's guards aren't gonna beat you they're just not and i know that because we're 23 games into the season they haven't beat anybody 24 games in the season so i think it's if you can take Kamara or Holmes out of the game, you can beat Dayton any night. doesn't matter who you are. This is just truly impressive how like Spider-Man pointing meme this entire conversation has been. Yeah. 
It's been a rough year, man. I mean, just as like as a, as a fan, um, you know, I had one kid today that was like, I used to love reading Dayton Twitter, but now everybody's just complaining. I'm like, well, oh, you mean you used to like it when we were winning? Like, fucking me too, dude. <laughs> I was like, like, what's the matter with you? He's just reading Twitter and not watching games. Oh my god, I uh, couldn't remember that dude. I was like, uh, speaking of impacting you as a fan, uh, you relocated back to uh, Pittsburgh from Chicago. Uh, how has that move impacted your ability to follow UD in person? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's easier now because uh, it's it's an hour shorter drive. It's only about three and a half from my house. It used to be four and a half plus Chicago traffic, which usually turned into five. Um, so yeah, it's been good. You know, like I, I've been able to easier go to games, and um, you know the drive's just a little bit more carefree, and it's. Um, you know, Hey, speaks for itself hours shorter. So yeah, it's been cool, man. The one thing I will say that I miss is like, I watch games alone a lot more than I used to, you know, I used to have like a crew of buddies that would go to the games and that's what it's all about. Right. Like getting together with your buddies and then watching the games. So are you, uh, are you going to be there on, on Friday? No, th- this was, this was one of those games guys where like, if there was juice to it and like, it meant something like I would have, you know, I would have called off work a little early and made the trip, but like, I am perfectly happy to watch this game on my couch, whatever the result is, it's going to wipe my hands whenever it's over. And then we can all kind of get on with our Friday night. I got live PD to watch when it's over anyway. So I mean, I watched, <laughs> the, whole, I, I watched the whole game. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not like, you know, I have to watch the game, but, um, I think a month ago I would have been, you know, up in arms about the result. And now I've kind of put the season in perspective where I'm like, all right, it's, we're kind of in the month of improvement. Like as long as I think we're improving by the end of the month, like that's all you need to take from it. Right. So last season we split the series uh, home team held serve won both games. Would you be satisfied with that outcome this season or would, would anything less than a clean arch Baron cup title be a disappointment? Yeah, I mean, it, it's always nice to win the cup, right? Like both times, but um, I think it's the same answer, right? Like, I think if, if there was more juice to it, I, I think I would have I would have like a stronger answer. But like you said, when we started, the goal now is just to like make sure you finish in the top four. And, you know, on this day of our Lord, we're both kind of, you know, right there in the balance. So I guess from that perspective, you know, Dayton kind of needs to win these games to hold a tiebreaker. So, yeah, it'd be better to sweep slew because, I mean, for better or worse for listeners, right? Like if you lose to the bottom of the conference, like Rhode Island or um, Dayton lost to Rhode Island. So I'll just use them as an example you don't have to go up against them in a tiebreaker for a top four, right? Dayton and Slew are going to be right next to each other. So it stands to reason that it might come down to that last game where, Hey, we're playing for a four and whoever loses gets a five. So I think from that perspective, like, you know, this is a pretty big game, I guess, if you're looking at it from that microscope, right? Oh man. I, uh, yeah. You mentioned being uh, kind of just apathetic I think I'm at like the anger stage of the, the, the whole thing where it's just everything. Just, I, I just, man, I, I'm just, I'm exhausted. See, but I like, was there like Thanksgiving, dude. Like I got way out ahead of it, you know? Cause we came home from the Bahamas without a win. So like, that was when I was angry. 
And then like over the last like two months, I've just been able to kind of cool down over it because you knew a season wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, when that happened, it was kind of like, uh, <clears throat> I mean, and we were still, I think at that point, Zach, we we maybe had a, a one loss more than you kind of would have wanted at that point, but we were still looking more viable and we had some some Q1 and Q2 opportunities still ahead of us. Yeah, I mean, you, got, um, you know, you guys had the Memphis and Providence games. Like, we didn't have any of that. Like, we don't have a single signature win even to this day. You know what our best win is? I'll play some trivia. What's Dayton's best win on their schedule? Like, it's, it it's going to be a school it, you know. Wyoming? No, not even close. Or, oh, no, SMU. No, wasn't them either. <laughs> you, you ready for this? This is funny. Fucking Fordham. <laughs> oh actually that doesn't surprise me now that you say it's, it their best win right now is at fordham yeah, yeah. you know what our best loss is <laughs> fordham no. is it, <laughs> Boy, no, it's not I your mean, father's fordham man i mean we you know we've lost uh to auburn and maryland and some good teams but uh yeah it's not it's definitely not your father's fordham yeah preposterous it's, it's, maybe it's your grandfather's crazy. i don't know when they were good it's crazy, man. And that's the thing, like scheduling, you know, we talk about how important it is, right? Um, you know, Dayton drops all three of their games in the Bahamas. Southern Methodist comes to UD Arena. They're now a Q4 game. They're 217 in the net, okay? Then Ooh. they scheduled that neutral game against Wyoming you just referenced. Wyoming is dead last in the Mountain West. They're 197 in the net. So, like, neither of those games, like, we might as well not even play them. They did nothing for us. It mm. really do be like that sometimes. So I didn't realize how bad uh, both of those schools had tanked since then yep yep the mountain west is chugging along but wyoming is not a part of that train man uh well sully well, uh yeah man. yeah this has been uplifting yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna go watch like a like a like a documentary on the hindenburg oh, I'm gonna, uh, yeah. just just Murder to mystery. like improve my evening <laughs> yeah you know when i signed up for doing this podcast like seven years ago, doing talking out loud. It's, it's, you know, it's crazy. That's even been that long, but this is what they like. Don't tell you about, you know, when it's like February and there's like no chance at an at large and you got eight games left mm -hmm. and you still got to, you know, churn the shit out every week. And um, so, yeah, I'm contractually obligated by ESPN radio now, so I can't get out of it. But I tried, I, I tried really hard, but <laughs> it's like, here we are, you know, it's, I guess it's it's maybe an ode as I'm signing off to like people that do this for a living because, you know, we don't get paid and we do it because it's fun. And the people that do get paid, obviously, you know, it's it's their livelihood. But my God, man, when you do it for fun, it's just like it gets so much less fun when you're in the position that our teams are in. Right. Like and that's wow. that's what kind of sucks and takes the life out of you a little bit so just in general. I, I texted Peter uh, after we lost to VCU because I was out there just saying just I mean, some of it was, you know, frustration and then some of it's legit. And yeah. I just go, look, dude, I'm going to go off on my personal account, which obviously I know he appreciated that part of it. But yes, I'm like, dude, yeah. no matter what I say on the account or on my account, like I'm still, we're still doing this show. Like it's, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, I'm not, I, I just don't want you to feel like I'm. Like setting up to be like, yeah, we suck. I don't want to do this anymore. See you later. Thanks for we, all your help. We we also have the advantage where we cover everything that yeah. that SLU does, right? So so even if basketball is is in a low point, 
you know, maybe we look at what the women's program is doing. Maybe what we our soccer programs have been killing it lately. There's always yeah. some, there's always so something uh, positive to to kind of keep you um, at least. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A, that, a that's that's great. what I would tell anybody who starts one of these podcasts for like a ten or any school, really, dude. Just, I mean, like even like when you start, just cover it a little bit. Cover the extra sports a little bit because yeah. it'll when they're good, if they're good, it'll always give you something to add content keep your name in the uh in the twitter space and yeah uh, keep your name out there let me ask you guys this we'll sign off with this question like do you guys now have you gotten the fans that are like saying how blasphemous it is for you to like criticize the team do you guys get that kind of chatter or not everybody's kind of on the same page i i think it's interesting because i don't think pete and i are like overly like on the on the show we get super critical so i think among the like 300 to 400 people that view or listen to our show um it it, that kind of that cuts through that that fan i think uh the people that are on twitter like i i I, we haven't got anything on twitter but we're not very like we're negative in like a game day thread type negativity, but then like yeah. after the fact, we kind of uh, have a, uh, a, a middleman Dan perspective. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Pete, yeah, I don't but, know what you yeah. got, what your perspective. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I mean, it, you know, occasionally like, like Zach threw out a, a kind of, a, a, you know, opaque question mm-hmm. about like, um, you know, yeah, let's get into that actually about Ford and not getting the most out of talent. And uh, I don't remember exactly how so, it worded. And we got like dozens of replies of, yeah. of, of people uh, reacting kind of in surprising ways. So, so occasionally we'll put something out on Twitter and get that. But I think right now we're getting more people who are further out on the ledge than we are, who are like, cause we're both like this, this, you know, we've, we've invested not we, but like the the institution, the boosters have invested a lot in this program compared to where sure. it was pretty recently. Oh yeah, and sure. uh, yeah, and we've got the highest paid coach in the conference by a good margin, and like we're just not getting that return at all. Yeah. And, and yeah. so so that's that's where we're just kind of at an impasse. Like we both like him personally, we want him to succeed. I think it's the same thing you would say, but it's just same like thing, yeah. you just the results aren't there. The yeah, it's not going the, anywhere. The tweet was. So here's an interest, and this was just me being like galaxy brained, like what if, right? So yeah. here's an interesting twist on the quote unquote Ford can't coach narrative. What if he's a good coach, but is bringing in play, bringing players in that can't play the style necessary to make his team successful? What if he's putting out the right game plan, but recruiting players who can't execute it? Obviously, I'm just talking shit out here. And yeah. I'm like, because, because again, I said, it can't be as simple as Ford's a bad coach. It, it cannot be that because he's obviously made good coaching decisions to get to the point he is in now. So my, my thing is, and I'm not defending him. I'm not doing anything other than just saying like, what if the narrative is maybe off a little bit? What if he's still, he's a good coach, but he's not a great general manager, which is again, all encompassing yeah. of a college head coach's job. So that was what I said. We got like, we, we got like just absolutely like, Hate just, mail. yeah. Like yeah. even if, <laughs> even if that's the case, isn't that coaching too? You're picking the players. So yeah. I spent the next like three hours just linking my follow-up tweet. Like I, 
clarified you <laughs> but you he's care. Like, i mean i'll give you that man like you care what what your opinion is in the streets that goes a long way yeah no i mean i just i want like like again like i i'm not a like basketball mind like but i like to think outside the box and i i don't i just it's it's interesting that he had some of his best years with a certain type of player and then he's gotten he he overachieved with a certain type of player or not overachieved but he he had good results with certain type player and now you have the most talented team he's ever had with a bunch of guys that maybe aren't that same type of player and they're just absolutely just underachieving. So I really don't get it. Yeah. I hear you loud and clear, man. Anyway, (laughs) Sully, um, man, I would say it's going to be fun Friday night, but uh, I don't know. I really it's gonna don't. be a good old fashioned slugfest. I mean, we both have games in between, um, which I guess will kind of set the tone to a degree. Um, you know, I think people will have like renewed optimism about whether Dayton can win this game if they go to Richmond and they beat VCU on Tuesday. Um, not for nothing, but you know, they kind of could use that win if we're gonna keep talking about regular season title, which is certainly still in reach for both of us. I'll beat a little bit out in the distance. So um, you know, from that perspective, it it does have a little bit of juice. I think that whoever loses this game will be completely out of the uh conference title conversation, right? Because Slew is already at three. They're seven and three. We're seven and four. So I guess maybe more so for us, right? Like we dropped a seven and five. We can forget about it, but I don't know. I mean, even Slew, like if they were to, you know, drop the next two games this week, go to seven and five, Dayton owns the tiebreaker, you know, it, it could swing the balance for Slew as well. So for all you people that care about the regular season conference title, I'm not one of them, but you know, it could, could be that it could be important for that reason. We got to beat Rhode Island Tuesday, though. Yeah, I yeah, know. Archie Miller, baby, he knows how to coach against T. Ford. <laughs> he knows all, right. all too well. <laughs> all right, Sully. Well, uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna let you go. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on the show and uh, have a good week up until Friday. Yeah, always a pleasure, fellas. <clears throat> thanks. See you guys. Thanks again to Dan Sullivan uh, for joining the show. Uh, Pete, let's put a bow on our uh, unsuccessful A10 Survivor Pool. Yeah, 2022, 2023, we tried. Uh, our last pick was for the pod because you and I went out on successive weeks before it. Uh, and we had Richmond over St. Bonaventure on February 1st. We took the L. All of a sudden, Bonaventure, as we picked against them twice in a week, decided to start winning on the road for the first time of the season. So, Zach, it was fun while it lasted. Our entries all went down in consecutive weeks. And to the people still alive in this thing, it is 100% pure luck. It's not that they're <laughs> that they're good. They don't know anything. Logic, reason, historical performance, matchups, all out the window. It's just garbage this season. It's horrible. Around so let's the, go, yeah, let's yeah, go let's, around on that note. Let's go around. I, I think every year I put A10 schadenfreude on, uh, on our... Uh, on our titles Tuesday, the 31st VCU squeaks out a win against Davidson 61 59 Dayton needs overtime to beat Loyola 85 81 Wednesday. The first Bonaventure beats Richmond. As we mentioned, uh, 66 62 
St. Joe's 64, Rhode Island 50, George Mason 70, UMass 59, another sicko score. Mm. Uh, LaSalle 75, George Washington 64. Uh, Saturday the 4th, 93 for Davidson, UMass 78. Uh, Duquesne 93, George Washington 67. Loyola, Pete, assistant coach, assistant coach Peter Hale for Loyola, 69-61 over George Mason. Uh, this next game, St. Bonaventure, 68, David or Dayton, 59. All I got to say about this one is sheesh. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hard gym to win in when Bonaventure's playing well. And it, it, I don't know what it is, but this team in the last two weeks has just suddenly figured things out. Uh, yeah, Venning was outstanding in this mm-hmm. one for Bonaventure, and the atmosphere was electric. You had all the townies getting rowdy up there in Olean. It was a wild night. Yeah, all the the snowmobiles lined up around the gym, parked outside the, you, the gym. You mean the elementary like a, school? Yes, the gym that looks like an elementary school built in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, Sunday the fifth, LaSalle beats St. Joe's. The Gola boys were excited about that one. 7365 and then Richmond bringing Fordham back down to earth 6858 uh Pete Rennes down the Atlantic 10 standings as VCU if they matter the, yeah let's just do it anyway VCU is now alone in first at 9 and 2 uh like like Slew and Dayton fans didn't think they could uh Slew is technically in second right now at 7 and 3 game and a half behind Dayton and Bonaventure tied in third at 7 and 4 Fordham is just outside that top 4 cut line at 6 and 4 we've got Duquesne and GW tied behind them at 500 5 and 5 apiece uh George Mason smack in the middle of the conference at 5 and 6 they're tied with Richmond and St. Joe's at that record though so things start getting crowded here uh LaSalle and Rhode Island are both 4 and 6 UMass and Davidson uh, tied second from the bottom at four and seven and Loyola still bringing up the rear at two and eight, but they are finally starting to win a couple. Uh, Next up uh, for the Billikens, obviously, as we previewed uh, Rhode Island on the seventh and Dayton on the 10th Pete trivia question of the week. What was our question for last week? The answer. And then who got it first? Yeah, so last week's question, Slew played Fordham exactly one time before joining the A-10 back in 1972. Where was this game held? Uh, None other than Madison Square Garden. Slew won this game 75-71. And congrats to Alma Man on Billikens.com for being the first to get that one. Um, I I love his profile picture. Pat Oswalt in Big Fan is the picture he goes with. I think it's perfect. I don't think I've ever said this about that movie. Um but I actually wa- saw the previews um, of that uh, movie. And I actually got super excited about it. Cause it's like a indie yeah. sports related. And I just never watched it. Cause I was afraid it was going to suck. I I am a huge Patton Oswalt fan. Um, I've, I've loved his standup forever. And I, so I, I really like it. Um, it's dark. It's it's like it's no, not. It's, a, I started watching it and I turned yeah. it off. For for people afraid. who are like like it's not a conventional sports movie by any means. It's pretty dark, but uh, but I think it's worth a watch. I, I like it quite a bit. Um, this week's trivia question: uh, Dwayne Evans participated in an All Star game 
in 2014, uh, uh, put on by the National Association of Basketball Coaches. Uh, he played alongside Javante Reddick and Halil Kanasevich. Uh, who sponsored that game? That is a that that's an obscure question right there. It, it's not. Uh, unfortunately, it's not difficult to find. We're de- we're depending on you to uh yeah. to uh, uh what what's it? What do you always say, Pete? Honor code. Honor code. Yes. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and see if you don't remember that one. Um, women's basketball, Pete, 68-56 win versus George Mason. Uh, Chaffetz was packed for this one. Yeah, we had almost 7,600 screaming fans for Education Day, and uh, Brooke Flowers emerged as the star of this one. Zach, give us a rundown of the chaotic vibes in the arena, and uh, for those who might not know what Education Day is. Oh, my goodness. So Education Day, I don't exactly know what they do anymore, but I feel like they used to do, like, educational stuff before the game, but I think that's changed uh, a little bit. But man, I mean, set, like I walked in and honestly, they thought they, they told like the ushers were like talking to me like I'm an idiot. Like, like, well, you have to sit in a certain spot. I'm like, I'll figure it out. It's fine. Like whatever. <laughs> They're like adult man by yourself. You can't have to sit in a certain area. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, like it was wild because every time they would, the DJ would play a song that it, it was always like a viral dance or something like Soldier Boy was played. Uh, obviously, the, the 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 song for the gritty was played. Uh, Whip and Nene was played. I swear to God, it was like it. It was like God herself uh, issued commands of these children to sing along and dance. I've never seen a, a like a. It was scary. Like, so. So I mean, that- if these were adults, we're talking Jonestown. Like that's how, <laughs> that's how weird it, Like I turned around and two teachers were behind me. I made eye contact. She looked at me like, what? I go, this is insane. She goes, who are you telling? Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, it's field trip vibes, you know, it's like, uh, this is their, they're out of the classroom, but they're on school's watch. I mean, yeah. it's like, you know, I, I they're don't, going, they're going crazy. I don't know how more kids don't get lost during this event. Oh man. Yeah. I, 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 do I have, know, I have two to keep track of and I lose them all the time. I do know that. I don't know if I would have liked this event as a kid being a Billiken fan. Um, I just remember back when I was like in, like Cub Scouts for whatever stupid reason I was in Cub Scouts. Um, like we did a Billiken game and I had to sit up in like the 200 level, like, and didn't get to hang out with my uncle during the game. I was kind of pissed off about it. Yeah. And, and I think we probably left early or something like, and I saw, I, I know a bunch of the schools did leave early. Uh, so I, I think I would have hated this event, honestly. I don't so know. About you, you. It, it was all off, right? Like the, the, the experience was all off. I think as a grade school student, I, I would have been cool with it. Cause I wasn't like, it was only late, uh, seventh, eighth grade that I started really going regularly. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, you know, at, at their age, looking around at all the young kids, like, uh, dancing during every time out, uh, they, they, they would pan the camera up to the the crowd it seemed like they were young enough to where it was like it just didn't matter they're just having fun uh it beats sitting in a classroom you know for a couple hours 
Uh, Billikens got out to a 14 to four first quarter lead. Uh, Mason chipped away and got its only lead of the game. 23, 22 during the second. I, I mean, I would, you could say Mason chipped away, but man, I don't want to be harsh on too harsh on her here, but McMakin let them come back in this game. Uh, she just took, I think she, I think it was five straight possessions. She took a shot oh. and it was just like, it, it was in the second quarter. She just, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. I mean, clearly uh, it's hard to, to teach an old dog, new tricks. I mean, she's a, you know, a veteran player and this is how she's used to playing. And um, you know, it just, I think it's, it's taken time. And I think game in and game out, she has kind of, um, kind of backed off, Pete. Yeah, I think when when you're gonna live and die, and, and uh, with with her as as the primary shooter, the primary scorer on this team, that's just gonna happen. Sometimes yeah. you're gonna ride her hot hand to wins, and you're gonna try and overcome her slumps. Uh, uh other times. Um, I, I think that's just always how it's, how it, I mean, you're right. You don't, you don't teach an old dog new tricks, but the thing that kills me about her is the shot selection. Yes. I don't mind her taking the volume of shots she does, but you don't need to be shooting leaners, uh, with 22 seconds left in the shot clock, like get good shots. Just, yeah. just take, take good shots. You know, like we know you can score, take good shots. Good, the good news is slew went up two into halftime um, and then, you know, even though Mason threatened a few times in the second half, Slu was able to hang on this game though, Zach was all about Brooke flowers in the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, 11 points, 18 rebounds, 11 blocks for the first triple double in program history felt like it had to have, it was inevitable. It was like the, uh, the, uh, the Thanos of, uh, of statistical outputs. It was inevitable. So uh, when I looked at at going into the last couple of minutes, she only had five. Points. Well, no, I meant just in her career, but yes. Oh, sure, career. sure, sure. Yeah, right. That she someday would would do it with uh, with blocks as the third statistical category. Um, it it uh, she only had five points late, and it, and I, and I kind of I remember thinking like, oh man, it's a shame uh, she couldn't score today because you know maybe she could have had a triple double here, and then she scored the one um, that gave her seven. And it looked natural in the run of play. And then it became immediately clear, we're going to get her two more looks. Uh, and we're going to try and get her this thing. Like, like they they willed it after that. Um, so it was kind of funny. Like, I guess when it's points, right, your team can really scheme to make sure you get those. But when you're chasing another statistical category, that's a lot harder to do. If she's sitting on like eight blocks or eight rebounds or eight assists or something like that, it's a lot harder to actually get that triple-double. You don't want to wind up with... Uh, I remember Ricky Davis uh, when he was on, was it the Pacers or the Bulls at the oh, time? Oh, God. The, and he uh, threw himself a rebound. No. Nah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like off an uncontested rim, like the wrong one, like just to get himself uh, the triple-double. Uh, so, yeah, so you don't, you don't wind up in that situation. When it's scoring, though, you can actually make it uh, – make it happen but they were they were clearly on a mission um 11 by the way is a new single game blocks record for slew um flowers and arlene lampy shared the previous record of nine it's the most by a d1 player this season and then in this game she also passed this the season record for blocks in a game with 96 um passing 90 so she passed it by a lot in one game 
I saw your note that it was the single game blocks record. And then I was like, oh man, I tweeted out that she just passed the season record for blocks. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I had my headphone, like my AirPods in with no music just to drown out a little bit of the like ear shattering children. Um, And so I was like, oh shoot, did I get that wrong? No, she's just crushing all the records. Yeah, and she's going to Hassan French this one and like put it out of reach for a while. I mean, she's going to do that with the season uh, block number. She's going to do it with the career block number, which she already had coming into this year. Um, And then her 18 rebounds in this game were a high mark for a slew player this season, uh, but only the the second most in this game because Nalani Kaja, Kaja from George Mason had 22 rebounds to go with her 13 points and three blocks. And then Flowers did all this despite having uh, a bit of foul trouble. Ended up with paging uh, Travis Ford. Yeah, <laughs> um, they could still produce. No, yeah, I uh, and and the one she the two she had two back to back blocks. The one that set the record uh, was an I mean just a, do, a a domineering block, and then the one she followed it up with was the same exact block. Two hands roofter it was just uh, she's incredible i want to see i i i wonder if she will attempt to play pro somewhere i uh, that's a good question i've been thinking about that too you know we've talked about her physicality and or lower lack thereof um but i think she's playing the best ball of her career right now i think she's playing and and I, I think the the mandate that she was given by Coach Tilla to score more has really changed uh, her whole demeanor. Um, she's always been good for rebounds and blocks, right? But it's just she's taken it to another level right now. And it's so nice to see this in her uh, in her final year. Um, I think she's really breaking out in a big way. McMakin had she ended up with 22 on eight of 25 shooting, six rebounds, five turnovers. Uh, Martinez, you know, she's going to fill out the stat sheet, 13 points, seven rebounds, six assists, five steals, and just two turnovers, but she also battled foul trouble. Uh, the rest of the no- rotation was fine. You know, Nicastro had eight and six, which was nice, um, but quieter games out of all of them. You know, really, they shot in three of 19 from three, so that's an area of major concern. Um, if uh, Every game. If they shoot better, it's just it's everything's different, right? I mean, they'd be blowing teams out. Um, but you know, that's just that's just how it goes when you shoot that way. Uh, Zach, any last notes on this Mason game from uh, from someone who was in the house? Besides, it was loud. No, it was. Uh, you know, it was a it was a good game. I thought. Uh, I thought the Billikens handled it for most of it. It was just that stretch in that second quarter where, uh, you know. Uh, McMakin took some ill-advised shots and allowed Mason back in the game. Uh, I like to see that McMakin went from, you know, 25 shots in this one to 19 against Bonaventure. Yeah. You called this one a good character win, right? Like Bonaventure is at the bottom of the conference. They're awful. They're awful. They went through a coaching change and you win by 14 and it was pretty close for a while. So so it's 75, 61. And this was just on Sunday, the fifth. So yeah, it's close for a while. I think they're, they're up one at the end of the first quarter two at halftime, but they really took care of uh, business down the stretch, held Bonaventure to just nine points in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I you know I wa- I got to watch most of this one. Uh, again, Flowers huge game, thirteen and twelve with two blocks 
or with three blocks, sorry. Uh, McMakin's again, like I said, six of 19 shooting, uh, 17 points. Uh, Julia was fine in this one. She just did not have the, the statistics to back it up. Nine turnovers and just four points, but she did manage to snag 10 rebounds, hand out four assists and get four steals. So she's, she's so active. Um, you know, I think that a lot of her turnovers come from just trying to do too much. I don't know. Um, I unfortunately not having been able to see this one. I don't know if that's the case here or not. Yeah. I think sometimes she just gets a little out of control too. Yeah. Um, it, she it's plays kind of, faster than everybody else. Yeah, she really does. It's super weird because in uh, women's basketball is kind of weird in a lot of ways. Cause it's not, there's, there's a lot of different form to how they do things. Uh, so a lot of it can look out of control or, or maybe on um, what's the word, the, the un, uh, fundamentally unsound. Mm. Uh, but I mean, that's just women's basketball. Um, Peyton Kennedy, she's been nice, man. 16 and nine off the bench. I think she's kind of accepted this, uh, this, you know, the sixth position role on this roster. Uh, she seems to wear it well and, and produce um, in that, in that backup forward spot. Um, Slew was plus 18 rebounding with flowers, Kennedy and Martinez, just cleaning up the glass in this game. Uh, Kylie Bess uh, was, was phenomenal and, and probably her biggest role of the season coming off of injury three of four from the three point line, uh, three rebounds, total nine points. Uh, you, that is something that this team has sorely missed. So has she just been completely unavailable? Yeah. Is that what, if that's, is that's what, okay. I think she played a little against Mason maybe, or the game before that, but I'm not I think, totally sure. I mean, the, this is the, if she can come in and, and Whoa. inhabit her old role as a, as a three point shooter, um, I, I think that's the what a, what a key difference maker that is for this team. You know, yeah. like such a a poor shooting team. If you can have that specialist, that sniper, come in and play twenty minutes a game, and get you some threes, and and honestly, and keep defenses honest. Because if if this the way Slew's been shooting all season, there's no reason for for teams to do anything but pack it in against them. Uh, just try and get to make it a little bit. Um, so if she's healthy and ready to go now um look out that, that these the first points of the season and um what a difference that could be yeah only eight minutes against ball state and i think she only had uh maybe a couple minutes here and there um i'm this is weird uh i this is what happens when you go down like a rabbit hole uh real quick what's going on with camry clegg she got hurt. Okay. Yeah. Cause she's not, I, I don't even know if she's even on this roster anymore. <laughs> uh, that, that would be weird. That's also an unfortunate thing for us to notice while we're recording. Well, yeah, she's listed on the roster. Well, no, but like, if you go into the stats, she's, yeah, she's not on there. Uncl- no, she's unclickable. Right. Well, the, honestly, that has been a, a weird glitch on the website all okay. season long. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, but she did fix it. She got her, (laughs) she got hurt a couple games ago. I still don't know what her um, status is. Um, But yeah, if, if they're, if they're bringing out Kylie best as kind of like the, you know, the late season edition here, that could be the secret weapon. I mean, like she, she can shoot it. We know that. 
Um, Bonaventure fouled a lot in this game to try and get back in it, but they were ni- slew is 90% from the line. If only they could shoot better from the field, um, the way that they do from the line, this one would have been a complete laugher, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's good that they took care of business on the road and a tough place to play regardless. Yep. Uh, the women's arch Baron cup on the eighth, the second round, uh, at Dayton Billikens took the, I believe they took the first one. Yeah. Uh, and then Saturday the 11th versus George Washington. Uh, A-10 standings, Rhode Island leads uh, the conference at 10-0, followed by UMass at 9-1. Fordham and uh, George Washington sit at 8-3. and LaSalle 5-4, and St. Joe's and SLU 5-5. Five and five. Uh, Davidson 4-4, four and four. Duquesne 5-6, and six. VCU 4-6, and six. Richmond 3-5, and five. George Mason 4-7. and seven. Dayton three and seven, Loyola Chicago one and nine, St. Bonaventure one and ten. Of course, that Loyola Chicago lone conference win was against the Billikens. Pete, tell us about track and field. Couple of records fell. They ran up at the Iowa State Classic in Ames on uh, the, this weekend, February fourth. Um, yeah, one of those records was uh, Toby Gillen. Uh, you know, we joked. We should go. John Bell should just go ahead and tweet this every week. Now he broke his own record in the mile again. This time he ran a four oh two thirty three, inching closer to that four minute mile. Uh, so nice work, Toby, uh, getting it done up in Ames. Harrison Martinenko broke the SLU thousand meter record with a time of two twenty six thirty two, and then um, Luke Schaefer has the new school record in the six hundred yards. Not an event they run a lot, but he's got a, he had a time of 115.33. The women didn't set any school records at the event, but they did have the top three finisher in that 600-yard event. And then uh, Caroline Tarpey won the pole vault. Uh, next up, they've got the David Henry Valentine Invitational at Boston University on February 10th and 11th. Um, Heading over to men's tennis season is now underway. One against St. Francis and twice against Alcorn State. They beat Austin P five to two. Slew swept the doubles to start the day, but won five of six singles matches to take the win. Uh, three freshmen picked up wins for Slew. It's an unusual roster this season with one senior, four juniors, five freshmen, but the freshmen appear to be pretty good. Uh, four to three win over Chicago State. Record stands at five and out. Oh. I, I mean, I, I'll take that. Uh, sure. next up February 8th and 11th Quincy and Oral Roberts, respectively women beat Alcorn state twice to start the season dropped a four, three decision to Chicago state. Uh, tennis coach was happy with doubles, but not with singles. Uh, that's where they struggled. Seven Oh win versus Lindenwood on the fifth. They are three and one to start the season. Uh, big time international roster. It's kind of how Slew's been doing it for a long time. Uh, mm. I know, I know when we were talking about, you know, who they might get to replace Zitch. Uh, I know there were people that were tennis players back in the day that had applied and and given their v- vision. And a lot of people think that we maybe rely a little too heavily on um, the foreign players and not maybe grab the better uh, American players that aren't getting looks that apparently the the better American players are available. The American players that are available to go to college are better than the foreign players that are available for college. Um, next up for the women, February 10th versus IUPUI, February 12th versus Oral Roberts. Softball released their schedule for the 2023 season. 52 games, 21 at home, 
tournaments at DePaul, Utah Tech, and Lipscomb. First home game is part of the Billiken Round Robin with NIU and Bradley. And by then, they will have played 17 games already. In addition to a few A-10 home series, they also have single home games against Kentucky, SIU, Carbondale, and home and home with Lindenwood. Uh, Pete, any last thoughts on this uh, uh, marathon of an episode we just put together? My last thoughts are that I hope uh, I hope there's something positive for this uh, this men's basketball season that they can kind of get back on track. I think I think beating Dayton uh, would be great. I think that would really help me feel better about where things are. Beating Dayton twice, I think, would be huge uh, for for our for both fan bases. Honestly, it would be huge for Dayton because it would be catastrophic and it would be at least something redeeming for us. But I really like the way the women's basketball program is trending right now. I, I like the way that they're playing lately. Um, so they're, you know, like we said, when we talked to Sully, there are always positive things to look at when you zoom out, look at the athletic program as a whole. Yep. That wraps up the week in Billiken athletics. Follow us on Twitter at Midtown mad pod at Peter is a tweeter at Zach Miller, MMP and on Instagram at Midtown mad pod. Uh, Peter, I, you know, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be a, uh, interesting week. Uh, I don't, you know, I feel like I've harped on subscribing and reviews for two, two and a half years. So just as always, Pete, go bills, go bills.